Johnny, I see you're wearing multicam. Is that what is your favorite camouflage type? You have multicam on right now, which is a mixture of like brown, black, green, white, and like those kind of layers. Army green. Olive drab then. What is it? Army drab. Olive drab is the official name for like what we consider the green, like standard, like that dark green olive drab is what it is. I think this might be uh, my favorite pattern right here. I used to like the uh, what is it called? Digi... Oh, Digi-ca- Digicam. Digicam? Yeah. The one with the pixels? I used to like that one, but it, it felt a little too immature, you know? How so? I don't know. I think when you get into these these uh, camouflage type of deals, you start looking into all the other ones. Mm-hmm. You start looking at this one, but the uh, the blue one? The dark oh, blue. Yeah, the blue, that's, um, I think they call it like Oceania. Oceania? Oceania? Uh-huh. I know what you're talking about, yeah. But this is probably the most common one, right? It blends up with the most... That's one of the most common along with... Just... Um, Go ahead. There's another one they call... Uh, uh, I think it's called Chocolate Chip. Okay. Which is like a desert camouflage, but it has flecks of white and black mixed in. So that was a common one during, I think, the... Uh, what was that? Uh, during the... Op- not Operation Freedom. Which one was the one with Kuwait in the 90s? Desert Storm? Is that the one? That's the name of the, the warrior. Yeah, Desert Storm. The, the military or the army specifically had a a three stripe. It was like tan, brown, black, but then the little flecks of white and black to imitate like grant like um fragments of rock and sand. Mm-hmm. So you had the stripes going on, like the kind of the uneven strips like you have, mm-hmm. but then little like sparse, kind of like chocolate chip looking, like an ice cream kind of, where it's like un unregular sh- uh, chunks of black and white kind of mixed in. And it was like the impression of like desert sand with like rocks scattered across. That sounds pretty legit. I don't think I've ever seen that one. You've I, seen you've seen it. You just don't real rem- yeah. you just don't remember because it's like one of the most. Co- if you watch any war movie from the nineties, mm-hmm. that's pretty much all you see. And then in a, for a while during like Operation Iraqi Freedom, all that they used um, they call it UCP, but you might know it better as um, uh, ACU. ACU is like the digital, but it's like the gray staticky looking kind mm-hmm. where it's like gray, black and white, but like pixelated, pixelated looking. I think that's probably the one I was talking about then. The ACU. ACU. Is the a... ACU looks a lot like Digicam, does it not? Yes, it does. Okay. But Digicam, is t- it's weird. It's like very, sp- like when I was really into Airsoft, like I learned all of the camouflage types, like German Flectarn, uh, Rhodesian, three, uh, three color, there's like so the the British no I'm sorry not the British the Canadians have a really dope dope one where it's uh it's what you have those colors like that like that color but it's all pixelated mm-hmm. so black green brown and like tan but pixelated why don't I ever see you with any camo I don't have an I don't have cl- camo clothing I, I, don't s- really. I started I started buying a lot more camo stuff but then I, at some point I thought I none of just, it go, goes with yes, each other it's hard to match with, with <laughs> like I could wear it with blue jeans but then I so I did, made the decision of why don't I just go with like a flat color so my standard camo uh-huh. is that's more pedestrian mm-hmm. is a uh, coyote brown oh okay yeah I, brown. I don't like yeah. I don't like black I don't like wearing too much black but I like wearing I like having black for like my digital stuff. And then my clothing, I wear uh, Kyle Brown because I could wear it with pretty much anything, like light blue, dark blue, yeah, black pants, whatever, right? It's more flexible. There's a, I had a, I had a friend come up to me at work one day, and I was wearing these shorts, the exact same pattern. Mm-hmm. He like comes up to me, and I was like, hey, there were these shorts, right? He runs up to me, 
And it was like a very broish moment. He was like, bro, I've been looking for those fucking shorts. Like, what did you buy them? Whatever, right? Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I went to the fucking uh, mall in Ontario and I picked these up right there. I told him to store all that. And then I've had a, a girl tell me like, uh, it was this, because uh, it's it's a camel hoodie. Yeah. Uh, she told me like, John, I don't I don't like you wearing that hoodie around me. And it, it, I don't know. I don't know what it was. She Like, she told me she was really into stripes, right? Okay. And I don't know what it was. I think it had something to do with just ideology like because she was a particular side of political stuff right right and guys if you wear camo it's kind of more libertarian freedom loving type of shit right i think it's a specific type of camo i don't think just any camo because like i'll tell you right now my mom has like uh are you familiar with the brand i think it's called bcbg you know that brand Mm -mm. it's a woman's brand um and she had my mom has like a or you're seeing like the juicy clothing the juicy brand I've seen that, yeah. my mom has one of those like tra- it's not a track suit but it's like a it's like a it's like a sweater and sweatpants combo and mm-hmm. it's just camouflage like that almost that same pattern you have i think hers is like thinner i think the splotches are thinner okay but it's like that same pattern i'm like it's interesting how like camouflage has kind of become like almost more of not so much a statement about military or whatever but it's almost it's just kind of ubiquitous as a like it's just a fashion style i, I think i think most people who buy camouflage clothing it's not because like oh i want to blend in with my backyard or something right nothing silly mm-hmm. as that it's just kind of, it's just kind of like that's the style right like how t-shirts white t-shirts were like part of the military uniform they used to be the what sailors wore underneath yeah it's actually both of mine for the military t-shirts, I like the brown ones, the uh, Kyle Brown looking shirts. You've seen those, right? Coyote Brown. But yeah, I think yeah. not everybody in the military can wear those. I think you have to be like SEALs or something. I don't, I don't, yeah, that I don't like the specifics. I don't really know. But it's funny how I took a, f- I know we're going off on the tangent. I, I swear, I promise we're going to talk about video games right now. When I was in university, I took a history because I was taking a, I got my degree in history. I took a course in the history of fashion. I was like, one of the requirements was history of fashion. And it was funny how our professor mentioned how like a lot of like the, the clothing that we adopt originally has some military application before we reaches the mainstream. Mm-hmm. So like uh like wife beaters were like you know tank crews had to wear thin shirts or whatever to breathe because it gets hot in those machines. So like your tank tops, that's literally where the term tank top comes from because people who were in the tanks would wear those tops, mm-hmm. right? So, and then like um for example like having like like uh, uh we call it like the adornments of like zippers and like all that's the zippers like for example in your jeans. You know how you have these pockets you don't use, the really small pockets? Mm-hmm. You have a pocket within a pocket. Yeah. And usually it's held together by like a little piece of metal, like a little bit, like a little, like, um, I don't know what you would call it. It's kind of like the thimble, sort of. Grommets? Grommets. Thank you. That's exactly what it's called. Okay. Like the grommets are there because they're like, they're supposed to support, they, it's almost like a load bearing part of your jeans, where if the grommet wasn't there, like that particular area of your jeans is more susceptible to tearing. And that started off, like, either from the military or from, like, the miners from back then. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of the things we wear are have become, like, fashionable because it came from, like, military use. And then when, you know, during peacetime, that clothing, the soldiers who are now in peacetime, they, they, they pass. That becomes, like, a fad. That becomes kind of like a – same thing with motorcycles. Motorcycles started off with military applications. And then when people came after home from World War II – yeah. They kind of took their garage, like, grease monkey skills and applied it to Harleys and 
all like all these other stuff and they made like these Vikings. Like it's it's funny to see that kind of revolving door of military and inf- you know influencing civilian life and vice versa. Like it's it's really cool stuff, man. I love history. So um but yeah, um lots is that your favorite camel pattern? That one specifically? Wood- I think this one is. It's basically woodland. It's what we call that. It's woodland, which is yeah. designed for green. Yeah. I really like um and I know we're not on friendly terms with them right now. The in the nineteen in the early two thousands, Russia used a really cool pattern called digital flora. Okay. And it's a mixture of it's like olive drab with like a dark forest green mixed with like a lime green mixed with a black but it's pixelized and it just looks so cool and I, when i used to play airsoft i always wanted a set of digital flora but because it only is made in russia it was like crazy expensive to ship so i could never buy a it was like 200 dollars for the complete the way form. you describe it, it it sounds like a, a 2052 camo pattern like it's it's up there in the future like we finally figured out the perfect balance. You know what's funny is that there is no perfect camouflage. Like I think of Metal Gear Solid Three. You know how you have the camo index, mm-hmm. and like whatever you're wearing, whatever snake is wearing, it like it'll reflect on the environment. Like there is no one piece, one size fits all camo. Like all of it is clearly situational to where you are. Like, Speak, speaking of Metal Gear, did you know that you could take the original idea was that in Metal Gear, this is like how outside of the box kojima was thinking right like you to hey take out your fucking memory card and and psychomatsis can't read your memories like he wanted to take photos and you were able to import that and create that into camo really oh i did hear about i Mm -hmm. i've heard about that i think that was for three i think they wanted to do that yeah the thing is wasn't one psychomatsis is in one that's why yeah but I think I think you're right. I think in three, I heard about how like that was an idea to make your own camouflage for in-game use. Mm-hmm. It was something to do with like the PlayStation Eye toy, I think, or whatever. Yeah. But for some reason, I guess it doesn't actually work. I think it was like one of those things that got scrapped. It was probably memory exhaust, uh, memory issue, exhaustive, whatever. Yeah, but um. Anyway, that's enough about camouflage. Right? We're like ten minutes in, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Dual Sense Podcast. A Semi-weekly, but for sure, now going forward, we'll return to a weekly format because I'm finally an empty nester. Or I have no obligation to be at any specific place or time other than work. So I, me coming over and hang out and record with Johnny is going to be so much easier now. No, my grandpa's still alive, in case you guys are wondering. No, he's still alive. He didn't die. He's still alive. But him and my mom, uh, they uh, moved closer to her work for logistical reasons, so... Anyways, of course, my name is Andrew Rosco. I am the main host. Uh, and of course, we have, well, you guys know, the badger of the high desert. The self-proclaimed lost cause, because he's always down for the cause, never down for the count. The unnecessary one, Johnny. Hey, we don't have an intro for you. Like, maybe I should come up with one, like. The teacher and the preacher. I don't Ooh, know. I like that. I like, I like it because it rhymes. Although, I guess both do apply, technically. Well, I'm a substitute teacher, and I guess preaching is something I do on the weekends. So, yeah, I guess I could work. Preacher and the teacher. I like that. Can we add, like, another eacher to that? I'm trying to think. What could it, like, a breacher? Maybe I breach doors? You breach doors? Breach. What kind of doors? Breach. Like, you know, like, kick them down or something? Back doors? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's a new window or not, but uh, Leecher? No, that sounds bad. 
Seat jump. I can't think of. Well, any. I have the. What about Reacher? I have the Ideas. We could go Creature. Ah, oh, that sounds bad. The teacher, it does, Creature, but Creature. If you. Okay. We'll, we'll come up with something. Or, or someone, someone in our in our in our friends group or whatever will come up with something. So Brian and Joe, if you're listening, come up with another mimetic device that goes with uh, cre- what does he say? Teacher, preacher? Yeah, teacher, preacher. The soul reacher. Ooh, soul reacher. That sounds like a sword or like a weapon. Anyways, Johnny, we have a couple. It's been a, it's been a while, so we have some stuff to talk about. Mostly the most recent stuff because uh, if I go all the way back to cover all the stuff, we'll be here like literally all night. So. And that would be like, I don't think my hard drive on my computer could handle anything more than like three hours right now. So we're not going to push it to there. Anyways, that's enough. That's enough sidebar. Let's get straight to the stories, Johnny. First article comes from Kotaku, written by Luke Plunkett. I like that name. Plunkett. Sounds like whip it, bop it, Plunkett. It says here, G4 TV is being shut down only a year after its relaunch. Let's get into it. A month after suffering a number of key layoffs and departures, the ill-fated attempt to reboot the 2000s gaming channel G4 TV is over, with its owners announcing that they'll be shutting the network down. As Deadline reports, an email was sent to remaining staff today. So this was about a week ago, guys. So yeah, by the CEO of parent company Spectator. A division of Comcast. In this memo, Scott explained that the company's investment and efforts to revive the network just didn't gain traction. Deadline also says, quote, a few dozen employees and contract workers are affected by the shutdown, end quote. That was all that left at the network after a round of major layoffs took place last month. It says right here, the timing and severity of the cuts took staff by surprise, with talent showing up on set today, ready to film only to have programming canceled as HR reps met individually with employees. Well, it's not clear what the extent of the layoffs will be. One, okay, so this was before they shut down. This uh, last month when they had all the like firings, kind of. It says, uh, yeah, this was from an older article. It says, despite assurances in a subsequent broadcast that there were no plans to scale back the channel's programming, X-Play host Indiana Froskerin Black. I don't understand why she calls herself Frost because Indiana Black is a cool name by itself. Anyways, not, I, not, I, yeah. Anyways, an attack of the show co-host Kevin Pereira also left shortly afterwards. This has been in motion for a long while, Pereira said of his departure. I know there's been some wacky events in the ether as of late, but months and months and months back, this time was sort of decided. The show's going dark for two weeks and coming back. I won't be here. Sorry. And here's the full email about the firing. It says, Team, as you know, G4 was introduced last year to tap into the popularity of gaming. We invested to create the new G4 as an online and TV destination for fans to be entertained, be inspired, and connect with gaming content. Over the past several months, we worked hard to generate that interest in G4, but viewership is low and the network has not achieved sustainable financial results. This is certainly not what we hoped for, and as a result, we have made the very difficult decision to discontinue G4's operations, effective immediately. I news, and I'm disappointed too. I want to thank you and everyone on the G4 team for the hard work and commitment to the network. Our human resources team is reaching out to you to provide you with support, discuss other opportunities that may be available, and answer any questions you may have. Thank you again for all your hard work for G4. Sincerely, Dave Scott, Chairman and CEO, Comcast Spectator. As the memo unsurprisingly gives its timing, sent on a Sunday evening, could have been handled better. 
And then here's an update. It says the Washington Post, Nathan Grayson says the termination was made so suddenly that former G4 employees who requested anonymity due to the signing of non-disclosure agreements told the Post that staff were locked out of internal communication services like Slack and Google Drive without immediate explanation. So they were fired or let go so quickly that their access to like the to like the Slack and Google Drive were cut off before they even knew they were fired. That's how fast it was. That's crazy. Johnny, now we could tackle this in a matter of ways. You could talk about the Frost Grant. You could talk about uh, the programming not being maybe up to snuff as it used to be. Could be just the changing times. I think... Um, I think mostly what it is is uh, as other people. I'm not. The, I'm definitely not the person to say this, but as other people in this space have talked about, like they went from nothing to like a fully staffed, like oh, what was it like north of like 150 employees, like just like that. And that sounds when you realize that you're paying for like as a company, you're probably providing like medical and benefits and all this stuff, like a salary, like to go from nothing to bam, like instantly. And then expect like, okay, like we'll make up for it in the long run is probably not the most sound uh, business strategy. Johnny, what? That was actually the main take. I don't know how this business model was supposed to survive. Because the viewership, like, I don't know how it's making money, but they, it was probably on Twitch, I'm assuming. Uh, it seems like they had good numbers on Twitch. Yeah, their programming, I believe, was split between the Twitch, but then also later uploaded to their YouTube channel. So like, you're kind of, you can like double dip that way. Yeah, but on the YouTube side, they were they were getting a lot less views than a uh, creator that was getting like a um, hundred thousand views. They would maybe get fifty, twenty thousand views. I looked at their YouTube channel uh, not recently. I'm actually do that right now. But I remember one of my friends was saying like, "Oh, like they're only getting like a hundred views." I'm like, "A hundred views? Like that doesn't sound right." And of course, it was more than a hundred views. But yeah, it was like it never. I don't think it ever went. Rarely did I see any that went beyond like nine thousand or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll look that up right now because now I'm really curious. So, but yeah, like this was, you can't just scale up that way, like, like that quickly. It's just way, you kind of have to like slowly acclimate to it. You know what I mean? It's like, um, I'm sure you've heard the old adage about like, how you want to, how, how you want to cook a frog, right? You put the frog in the water, you add one coal and then, you know, once it feels warmer, add another coal, right? What happens if you put it with like 10 coals at once? What happens, Johnny? It jumps out. It jumps out. That's right. So you don't want to overextend yourself when you're not able to. So here, okay, so here's um, so here's an example. I'm looking at their YouTube channel right now. Uh, one of their videos from like 10 days ago has 5,000 views. Uh, it says, it's, just, it's called, uh, thank God it's news, the feedback. I'm not sure what that means. There's a, a reaction to Andor that they did was 8,000 views. Okay. Uh, looking around. Here's a few more popping up. Uh, okay. They did one. They did 12,000 views 11 days ago. Not bad. One, they only did 3,000. It was like a trailer reaction. And then and then one about, it looks like Michael Myers. They did like 12,000. They did a Let's Play for Alan Wake that did 2,000, which is pretty low. That's really low. So you get the idea, right? They're kind of all over, like, very inconsistent with some of their stuff here. Oh, okay. They have an appearance from Alana Pierce, and that one did 15,000. But that's because, well, Alana's. That's Alana, yeah. She she pulls in that kind of traction. Yeah, but their overhead is crazy for for that amount of views. And now I'm starting... Okay, now I'm starting to see... videos that are reactions to mm-hmm. g4 stuff and they're like 
100,000, uh-huh. 200,000, 110,000. It's like, and this is like a video about Adam Sessler having a meltdown. So like all the reactionary stuff or the reactions to G4 are getting more traction than G4 itself, which is weird when you think about it, right? So I don't know what the Twitch numbers are. I could probably look that up. That's going to take a while. So I'm not going to do that right at this moment. But I imagine it's not that different than the YouTube numbers, right? It's probably on par, I'm guessing. So like to have like this many employees and your business model is just kind of going off after views, it's probably not very sustainable. So I'm... I know some people in different like media spaces have been calling down like how are they even like able to operate. I think uh, Sacred Symbols and a few other people, a few other like, uh, you know, personalities have called out like, like what, like how are they surviving? And now we know like it was basically on borrowed time is really what it was. And I think, and we talked about this, you and I privately, like if you want to like meant for what G4 used to be, it's we don't exist in that environment a decade later. You have all these avenues with Twitch, and YouTube existed back then, of course, but you have Twitch, which probably does what G4 does even better when it first started, right? You have all these avenues for video content. Like, if you want to look on YouTube, you can find the history of any particular game, and you're going to find someone who's already done that, right? Like, people are, like, almost spoiled for the amount of results for, like, any given specific topic, so it's like... If you're going to do G4 again, you can't just do the same thing, right? At least not at that scale and expect to kind of just coast or surf by. Like, you and I, we can do this because there's literally no cost to our operation. It's literally just you and me. Like, we can we can never make a dollar. We'd still probably be doing this for, like, a long time, right? Like, Yeah, that's a great point. Like, we do this out of it just being fun. Yeah, we enjoy getting together and just talking about this. But, like, if you're going to make a business model around that you really have to diversify your um income sources right you have i think of like the major personalities or like shows i follow and they have like oh like this video is sponsored by such and such thing right or hey like you want you know our merch is this and this or like they have like all these different avenues for income and like you have to diversify your income if you're doing like any kind of media content and expect to make a living off it right like mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure people you follow like mbg or other people like they have different ways to tap into their audience right so like i i know g4 did have like spawn like you know sponsored or collaboration but like you can't do that with 150 employees you need to come find out with something a little better what was that hi dude was it's that, like a, was that just for oh that was g4 it wasn't ex- wait was no it that ex- was every like the entire like company so you're talking about people you never even see on screen, like cameramen, producers, writers, everybody who's basically, even even if they're not in the studio, if they're working remotely, anybody who's basically linked to G4 as an employee. So, Johnny, do you, I, I've been rambling for a while now. Do you have anything you want to no, add? No, that's exactly what I was thinking. And then it probably doesn't help also, because we are going to talk about it real quick, just for a second, for you to dismiss your audience and say, don't watch us. Yeah, that's probably not the smartest uh, message to go with, regardless of who your actual audience is, because you're probably including people who are not terrible. Also, yeah, painting with uh, broad strokes. Thank you with a broad brush or broad strokes. Thank you. So, um, yeah, that's I mean, it kind of sucks. I'm going to be honest. I, I probably tuned in like for that first month that they started, like maybe like two, four times. 
And I was kind of like, oh, like, this is okay. But, like, Rooster Teeth, uh, kind of funny, Easy Allies. I can think of all these different personality-based, like, channels who kind of do the same thing, if not better. Yeah, like Sacred Symbols. Sacred Symbols, of course. Yeah, so all these different, all these different, you can't just do the same thing, you know, a decade later. There's a reason why it folded back then. <laughs> you kind of have to do it different. So uh, what that is exactly, I don't know. Trust me, if I figured it out, we would be doing something like that already. So there you have it. Uh, let's move on then, Johnny Show. Next article comes from Eurogamer, written by Ed Nightingale. Ooh, that's a cool name, Nightingale. That's a dope last name. Were you see something, Johnny? You took a deep breath. Uh, it sounds like a, it could be a Batman character. Nightingale? Part of the team. Oh, okay, I got you, I got you. It says here, Bayonetta voice actress issues new statement defending her, quote, reputation in the industry, end quote. Let's get into this a little bit. So we're like, oh, a lot has happened in the last three weeks, including the start of this issue. And now it's kind of resolution sort of. So let's get into it. Bayonetta voice actress Helena Taylor has issued a further statement on Twitter addressing the pay dispute with Platinum Games. In her initial statement, so of course, we'll bring you guys up to speed real quick. There was this voice actress who voices the character of Bayonetta is not reprising her role for Bayonetta 3 because originally, supposedly, allegedly, the offer for her to return and voice the act, voice the character was like $4,000. And she's like, that's way too low. I'm not going to accept it. And she's at, she asked for people to boycott it. Then it came out through a separate investigation, I think, from uh, Jason Schreier. I forgot who might have been Jason Schreier. Somebody else. They did an investigation over at uh, the at um, Forbes. No, not Forbes. I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm really bad. I'm going off the top of my head. Basically, that she. Oh, Bloomberg. That's what it was. Bloomberg. And they said like, oh, like that's not true. Like that was like the last thing for like one session. Like the total. I think the total combined offer was like closer to like fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars. Yeah. Which isn't too bad to voice one character probably for like what like two months maybe. Like that's. It's hard to sympathize. That's like $9,000 a month if you want to break it up down that way for a full character. Like that's not agree that's like not a low ball offer by any chance. But anyways, let's let's um, let's catch up right here. Uh she asked, yeah, she asked fans to boycott the game in response. Later reports from Bloomberg and VGC emerged disputing Taylor's claims. It says now Taylor has given further details to clarify the initial offer she received and to defend her reputation. Quote it has come to my attention, so this is her speaking, that some people are calling me a liar and gold digger. I feel the need to defend myself and my reputation in this industry. And then it's just the tweet. It says, as I put on part three of my video thread, I explained that their first offer was too low. That offer was $10,000 total. Remember, this is a $450 million franchise. First of all, it is not. That's a crazy number. That's a crazy number. Bayonetta is not even that popular i mean it's known but it's not like devil may cry or like ninja gate like like, calm down it's not that much i can trust me it's not that much not counting merchandise oh it's definitely not that much then it's definitely nowhere near that high i then wrote in japanese to hideki kamiya uh, who's the director of the game asking for what i was worth i thought that as a creative he would understand he replied saying how much he valued my contribution to the game and how much the fans wanted me to voice the game. I was then offered an extra 5000 So I declined to voice the game. I then heard nothing from them for 11 months. They then offered me a flat fee to voice 
some lines for $4,000. Any other lies, such as $4,000 for five sessions, are total fabrications. There were not extensive negotiations. I've also been informed of ridiculous fiction, such as I asked for $250,000. I'm a team player. I was just asking for a fair living wage in line with the value that I bring to this game. I was paid a shockingly low total of $3,000 total for the first game. A little more for the second. I wanted to voice her. I have drummed up interest in the game ever since I started on Twitter in 2011. Sounds like she's kind of like overstretching some of her like impacts here. Like $3,000 for the first. I don't, okay, I don't know how much a voice actor should be paid. But it, sound, it sounds like she got like a little more each time. And then for the third time, she wanted to make like a big leap forward. From the second one, right? Uh, it says here, voice actress Jennifer Hale, who will voice the character in Bayonetta 3. Again, Johnny, that's Femshep for you. She released a statement noting she's under NDA, so cannot discuss the situation. So that's a non-disclosure agreement. But she asked that, quote, everyone keep in mind that this game has been created by an entire team of hardworking, dedicated people. And I hope everyone will keep an open mind about what they've created, end quote. So it's kind of like, that's nonsensical. It doesn't really say anything. She later asked for fans to be kinder following online abuse. Developer Platinum Games followed with its own statement in support of Hale saying, We give our full support to Jennifer Hale as a new Bayonetta and align with everything in her statement. It said, We ask people to please refrain from any further comments that would disrespect Jennifer or any of the other contributors to the series. So according to the report from Bloomberg, which that was the actual name of the company now, they found out through digging through and they and the um, Jason Schreier who did the article from Bloomberg he's kind of gotten threats from people saying like show us your sources like and like some people like, journalists are saying like like if these sources are hidden or whatever for a reason it's because there's a specific reason why they're protecting their sources sometimes well I would say for the most part Paul unless the source is total bullshit no but Jason, Jason Schreier is somebody who's built his entire career off being right ahead of time also sort of exaggerating. He does have thin skin, but that's a different topic for another day. So a lot of people orig- originally believed, like Helena Taylor saying, like where she was only offered 4000 for everything. People really thought like, oh no, like that's such a low offer. And then it came out, at least in the report, that that was per session with, I think, four to five sessions. So possibly 20000 over the course of what have been two, maybe three months. And now she's like, no, that's not true. That's never. That was never the offer. Like, she's like, they originally offered me ten thousand. Hey, here it goes. That offer was ten thousand dollars total. So she went from three thousand for the first, four thousand for the second, and then got pushed up to ten thousand, plus an additional five thousand after she renegotiated. And she still said, like, no, nah, like I'm walking. So she admitted to that, but she also. The first time I heard the story, I just kept hearing four thousand. Yes, which is the exactly. Whole point of the matter, exactly. She kind of left. She kind of admits she left that detail out. Uh-huh. So like now, people are saying like, "Well, you lied when you first said you were only offered four thousand. You just said like you were offered ten thousand plus an additional five thousand for the whole thing." Mm-hmm. And she made a pl- She made it sound like she was only offered four thousand for the whole thing the first time. Yeah. So now people are kind of just being like, they're not being as sympathetic. They're kind of like, oh. Like, you're kind of, like, trying to pull the wool over us on this one. And so, and then, I think it's kind of classy for, um, uh, I forgot the name of the group. Oh, Platinum Games, right? To kind of say, like, like you guys, please, like, leave the new actress and any other contributor. So, implying the old one, too. Like, 
leave them out. Please be nice and kind of just they kind of it sounds like they kind of just want to bury this under the rug, like shuffle this yeah. under the rug a bit. So uh, I don't know much about voice acting. I know it's hard work. I know you have to like come up with different voices. You're restrained. There's a specific like like you can't even like drink cold things or whatever. Like you have to like, protect your like what a singer would go through. Basically, you have to like, protect your voice and stuff. Um, I, we're only really talking about this because it's tangentially video game related. But Johnny, like, do you have any additional? Well, follow-up? I wonder what the uh, repercussions are going to be because she broke NDA, right? No, because she never accepted the role in the first place. Because there's no NDA if you don't accept the job, technically. What she did do and she- it might be harmful is now other students are going to see she's kind of problematic. Yeah, but she didn't have such a that big of a long career in voice acting. What else has with. she done? She had a long. She had like a beefy college degrees, whatever she was doing, right? It seemed kind of prestigious, but in the voice acting stuff, there's not a whole lot. I'm gonna look this up real quick because I compared right. to the second actor. I'm gonna look at her IMDb real quick because it's right here. Right. Thank God for IMDb Internet Movie Database. Mm-hmm. Uh, known for Bayonetta, Bayonetta Two, and something called The Sweetest Thing. Oh, that's an old movie, The Sweetest Thing. Was she in that? The sweetest thing that's like a two thousand yeah two thousand two movie that's an old one. Oh, Stargate Atlantis in two thousand six, like a TV show. So she's, oh, but that was like two. So aside from Bayonetta, she hasn't really done anything like in the last decade. Yeah, compared to the uh, to the new actress. Oh, she voiced Bayonetta in Super Smash Brothers. Okay, that kind of makes sense because she's in that. She did okay. She has done some games. I'm sorry, she did Anarchy Reigns, which I barely even remember. Two thousand twelve. Uh, Dragon Age Origins in 2009. The Golden Compass, the game in 2007. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, the game also 2007. So she hasn't done anything notable other than being in the last decade or so. Could that be why she was probably drumming up? Like, why is she being so vindictive though? Like, why is she gonna burn that bridge? I don't know. She probably thought no one would really like dig into that and then people are just today people are just so anti like corporate like they probably i'm not gonna lie i but i thought she i thought she was on i thought she was like legit when she made her like issue her grievances first no i didn't tweet about it i didn't say anything about it i kind of just thought like oh like shoot like that sucks that they treat her that way i also wonder what uh cory barlog feels about it now because he like really defended her did they, he? I didn't see yeah. those tweets. I know some. I know. Okay, some personalities I do follow on social media who who did say something initially. They're like walking back stuff and they're like, oh, like I overreacted or I jumped the gun. Like some people are already doing like the kind of walk of shame. Like oh, like like oh, we just we just assume that like she was telling the truth because who are you gonna believe an individual or a corporation? I like that. There's some people that I do follow that have already taken it back that were on her side. But they came out and they were like, hey, man, I was I was wrong about this. This is a, the new evidence, the new information. Uh, not necessarily taken aback, but obviously saying like they. It's more they complicated. A bit too soon. Yeah, yeah it it's more, more complicated, complicated than, than originally presented. Yeah. So I, I do appreciate people that came out and said, like, here's the new uh, information. Yeah, I, th- I think this is just a lesson in how we shouldn't be so eager to kind of like jump onto an issue without knowing the full picture kind of thing, because we do do that. Not just, I mean, not just you and I, but I mean, like as a society, I think we tend to go with our gut instinct or gut reaction on pond. Like the, who, there's a saying, I can't remember who it is, but let, there's a biblical verse about how the first person always sounds believable 
until you hear like the second testimony, right? Like the first reaction of the first interpretation of the first anything, like, oh yeah, like I, I believe you just because you went first, right? Well, it's that that cheesemate thing. It's like you want to be the first one to tell all your friends that right. you found out this fucking information and you know You wanna you wanna be involved in the zeitgeist of discussion and then you figure out like, oh, oh, I gotta, you know, eat crow. I was wrong about this, so um yeah, it sucks that that even happened, the whole he said, she said kind of thing. Because Kamiya, the the director, he went and blocked, like, so many people who were criticizing him. And now it's like, oh, like, we thought he was being just a jerk and overreacting. But, like, oh, no, like, he was kind of in the right. Not for blocking, but, like, just his position where he, his original tweet was, like, oh, I'm upset about these allegations. Like, I'm not going to go into details and stuff. But, like, this is not, he says, this is false. And people were like, oh, sure, it's false. Like, yeah, you're lying. And, like, he started, like, blocking, like, massively blocking all sorts of people. And it's like, like, this was more complicated than we originally were led to believe. So there you go, people. There's a – you're never too old to learn a valuable lesson. Let's move on, Johnny. Next one we have from Game Rant, this article written by Shafi Ahmed. So it's not really an article. Rather, this is just a recap about all the Silent Hill stuff from – last week yeah last week we went from no silent hill games to like four like in the in the course of a week oh okay i don't don't know if i'm wrong about this i don't think i am because it was obviously rumored but did i not tell you like hey dude there's a bunch of fucking clues that silent hill is is in development you were like nah johnny no 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 no. that was when you said it was uh blue box yes thank you blue box i no, but i never said this is definitive i was like hey look at all these fucking connections there's evidence of silent hill and they might be connected to blue box but i never said this is definitive well, Johnny, do you remember this was part of that Konami leak a couple, like, about a year uh, ago? Uh, was it NVIDIA? Yes. Okay. But also, like, two of the three Konami games that were, like, I think it was, like, a this remake and then also the collection for, um, shoot, it just came out recently. The, oh, the Suikoden, the Suikoden uh, remaster of 1 and 2. The hell is Suikoden? It's that RPG that Konami used to, did, like, in the 90s. But three of two of the three have come to pass. Do you remember what the third one is? No. The Metal Gear Solid 3 remake. That was part of that leak. This, Silent Hill, and also the Suikoden 1 and 2, people were like, oh, how, like why would that be included? Like That's not going to happen. And then it got announced. Yes, but still, that list does have a lot of credibility. Mm-hmm. But that list was fairly old. So they're... they're the companies could have seen that list and saw the don't, reaction. Don't do that to me, Johnny. Don't do that. Saw the reaction from the audience. Don't dash my I could have decided, you know what? We're going to pivot. Don't dash my We might not go with three. We might, we might go with two. So Don't dash my hopes, Johnny. Metal Gear Solid 3 is like my favorite Metal Gear. Don't want, do that to me. I want one. One is good. No, one is the best. But three is better. I don't think so. Are you killing me? Cobra unit? Big Boss? The Boss? One is better. Revolver Ocelot when he's still just Ocelot? Yeah. One Vulgan? Oc- Vulgan with the lightning and everything? Like, are you kidding me? The Shagglehawk? No, like- I love those characters, of course. I love the characters in, in 2. Fuck, we're tangent, whatever. <laughs> but I love the characters in 2, but I think... No, 3. 3, Johnny, 3. I, I like... The best characters are in 1. I, I Psychomantis. Disagree. He has a gimmick, Sniper okay. Wolf. 
Yeah, the end in Metal Gear Solid Three, who's just the sniper. I don't think the end is that interesting. That's the sniper wolf of his time. I don't think it's that interesting. You have the Fury, the guy, the the, the astronaut he dude. He barely shows up. The astronaut dude with the flame, with flamethrower. The best part in Metal Gear Three. The pain is the ladder. That's no, that's not even the best part. That's just the part that everyone remembers because it was so damn long. How is climbing a ladder? Excuse me, excuse me. How is climbing a ladder the best part of a game? Uh, it was a diss. Okay, if you didn't get my sarcasm, okay. I didn't. I, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not, my sarcasm detector is broken. Okay. You have the pain, the bumblebee guy with all the bees, the fear, the the dude that hunts around with like the with the dislocated like limbs and. It's goofy, which is fine. It's Kojima. I love his humor, but Metal Gear One had just the sense of like this brand new fucking world this thing is they're creating this whole fucking thing it's fresh we got fucking metal gear with with these nuclear payloads you got fucking that's metal gear solid 3 too with the davy crockett that's they have nuclear payloads in metal gear solid 3 that's the whole threat of the shagglehod yeah but one is like showing you like this is the fucking world that we've created for you okay let me just simplify i like the enemies in part one more you mean you like the bosses in part The bosses, yes. Because the enemies are just genome soldier, but... I disagree. I think the Cobra it's unit... It's got Fox. I think Cobra... It's got, it's got Ninja in it. Gray Fox. Okay, yeah. But I think the Cobra unit is infinitely more interesting as a group of bosses than Foxhound is. The only boss I really like in Metal Gear 3 is, is Big Boss. As long as we can agree that 1 and 3 are better than 2, that's all I care about. Don't you don't you dare, Johnny. No one cares about the Patriots. I'm, I'm sorry, no one cares about the Sons of Liberty. The Patriots are, are badass. No, the Patriots are like the big bad. I'm talking about the yes. Sons of Liberty who is the So the president. Oh not no, what are they call they're called the Dead Cell? No, something. Dead Cell sounds right. Right? Okay, that's who like Fortune and Vamp and I like Fortune. Batman. I like Fortune. I don't like Vamp. Fat Man is cool. The president is a total fucking badass at the end. You can't get away right, from all right, that. All right. We're, we're, we're going too much into Metal Gear territory. We need to do a separate episode where we just talk about Metal Gear, but this is not this right now. All right. So Johnny, pull it back in. Pull it back in. Closing arguments. What? Okay. So Metal Gear Solid it. 3. Fuck it. Fuck it. Closing gotta... argument. Metal Gear Solid 3 is the best one. Let's move on. All right. Few video game franchises command as much anticipation as Konami Silent Hill alongside Resident Evil. The series is famed for being one of the original icons of the ser- Johnny's like rubbing his face like he's just so like, I can tell you wants to talk more Metal Gear. The series is famed for being one of the original icons of the survival horror genre that has gone on to inspire titles like Dead Space and the Callisto pro- pro- Project. It says project, pro- Protocol. Protocol. Considering the legacy and how long the series has been on hiatus, the recent online event showcasing the future of the Silent Hill franchise was a huge deal for Anyways, let's just kind of get into it. So we have Silent Hill F. The biggest news coming out of the Silent Hill transmission was the announcement of Silent Hill F, a brand new mainline game in the series. Silent Hill F will be developed by Neo Bards Entertainment, best known as a studio developing Resident Evil Reverse, a multiplayer entry in its titular franchise that is set to release on October 28th. That's four days from now, Johnny. Written by Ryukishi07, creator of the When They Cry visual novel series. The story is set in 1960s Japan, where creepy red tendrils and a tripophobia-inducing monster seem to be causing havoc. It's a creature design that seems as beautiful as it is horrifying. Johnny, do you know what tripophobia is? 
It's uh, it's it's just nasty, dude. It's like uh, hives coming out of your body, like these little pores, and then insects yes. coming out of it. Right. I don't, I don't know what. Okay, go ahead. So tribophobia is a fear of like a bunch of like little holes condensed together. So mm-hmm. some people get this when they look at sponges, which is funny. Oh, I didn't, some I people thought about that. If you notice, there's like a fungus or whatever that has like a bunch of just pores, like you said, like yeah. pores. It looks almost like it looks kind of like a like a spore, kind of, right? But like people, when people see a lot of of those dots or those holes next to each other, it makes them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, like a beehive or a beehive is a good example, mm-hmm. right? Or corals, even corals are, or something like that. So, so this one looks interesting. This was the one. Did you watch the trailer? Yeah, with like the schoolgirl uniform walking through the street mm-hmm. and like these red tendrils spread on. It makes me feel uncomfortable just looking at it, just because like I think they're like veins kind of like all over the place. I mean, I guess the feeling is like little tiny insects are gonna spill out of these pores. Yeah, right? well. Like, if you remember the trailer, like, these veins turn to, like, red flowers. Like, they start to bloom. Yeah. And it looked like those, um... Cordyceps. Kind of, it kind of reminds you of cordyceps, right? From, like, uh, Last of Us, sort of. Uh-huh. But they just look like... They turn to, like, these flowers, which look... Actually, like, really beautiful flowers, which is weird. Because it's, like, something nice coming from something ugly looking. And I guess it, it's... That's why they mentioned, like, it's as beautiful as it is, like, scary and creepy. Because, like, it seems like thematically they're playing with, like horror and beauty kind of roll together which is oh, weird okay but uh and then at the end of the trailer like the face comes off and it's just like an empty cavity of a head or whatever it's silent hill has always been creepy but this is interesting to me because correct me if i'm wrong i always thought silent hill was a place like in the u.s right i never really got a sense of that because of like if the first two games are set like in the midwest right mm-hmm. but then there's some people who say that Sign hill isn't a place like a ge- specific geographic location Sign hill is a place that comes to you is that your interpretation of this my interpretation of Sign hill was like a haunting but in a different dimension oh okay so you don't even think it, it's not even geographic it's like uh well, yeah, that's kind of how I thought of it, right? It's like you slipped into a, a reality that's not the normal reality. It's sort of like um, you could live in, in the Midwest or anywhere, right? And then you slip into a dimension that's sort of a Bermuda. Like the upside down kind of. It, yes, but a Bermuda Triangle type of effect. Okay. That makes sense. Actually makes sense, yeah. I think Silent Hill 4, like, isn't it like a, a, a doorway to someone's like apartment? I don't think I ever got that far to 4. I think Silent Hill 4 does a thing where, like, some guy barricades himself in his house, and then one day there's just a door, and then, like, that's where he entered Silent Hill through, so. I, I yeah, I think, I guess it makes sense that it is, like, a, uh, it's not a physical, uh, like, space, rather it's a mental slash interdimensional one, so. But this is interesting, they're doing a time jump to 1960s. Japan, I'm, right? Huh? Japan. 1960s Japan, so I'm wondering, like, what would that do for the game, like, is... Like, you would still use a... Like, she has a pipe, right? She has, like, the signature pipe weapon. Like, what would change? Like, you don't have cell phones, right? You don't have cell phones in the 1960s. Uh, that sounds amazing. A game, 1960s Japan. Like, you probably don't have access to firearms because they just don't in Japan. And also because of that time period, I'm thinking it's probably not really... It's not like weapons are readily available. There's no internet, right? So, I'm trying to think, like, what they, what they how the theme or the time period would affect the gameplay i can't think of what else that would really affect well i mean there's gonna be some i'm assuming they're gonna throw in katana's daggers oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that could make sense that could make sense i think we're just gonna see creepier stuff with like 
kimonos and like like um like goblin like oni looking like mask stuff or like uh i think they show like a porcelain doll like a kimono porcelain doll in the trailer like i'm expecting like you know how that creepy thing from um ghost in the shell that robot with the weird like face it looks like a like a porcelain doll from ghost in the shell yeah remember like the the geisha yeah yes i'm expecting like that's gonna be like some kind of element like wrapped in there somehow well what i wanted to feel like is um oh man what's that uh playstation exclusive samurai game ghost of tsushima but i want it to be the dlc oh legends. yeah legends where it's like all just like demons and yeah that vibe and is so fascinating to me i could see that happening i could see that happening uh next one after that uh we have Silent hill 2 remake which i'm pretty sure you've seen the trailer for this one it looks right? okay it looks like a straight just a straight remake with the nurses and the wandering around the town and it, it looks like him looking in the mirror like his face and pyramid head and we're gonna say well before we get into the other games didn't this presentation feel like a pitch like they're saying we need investors didn't that investor i don't know i know konami's doing pretty well financially like the most no, of their... i'm not saying literally but it, it felt like that type of pitch i don't think like, it we feels need, we need a talent to come through and help us out with this mm, not necessarily because each each of these games already has a team assigned to them mm-hmm. so it doesn't feel like a concept like a I'll call it a uh was it work of concept or concept or, you know the term I'm thinking of concept of proof or whatever proof, like, uh, proof, proof of concept it. there you go it doesn't seem like that it really seems like hey like we're just doing all of this stuff and i like, don't mean literally i just feel that's the vibe they were putting oh out. i got you okay it felt yeah because it's like a lot of things like they feel very different from each other all at once right well part two i was expecting a little bit of gameplay oh i don't think we're that far along yet i think we're still like a bit of ways a little bit before that yeah um so yeah this one's being made by bloober team which <laughs> i don't trust Blue doesn't instill a lot of t- not like um confidence but from what i've heard from another person like who's involved in media said like the director of the game has bloober team on a tight leash like they're Why gonna do that a bad thing no no i'm not i'm saying that that i don't feel too like weary about that wary about that oh i i haven't played any of their games but i I feel like their games haven't they've their games have performed like just well enough. Interesting enough, Johnny. This one is a PS5 console exclusive. But this will also come to PC though. So this development is being undertaken by Bloober Team, the studio behind the medium, working alongside the original games artist Masahiro Ito and composer Akira Yamaoka. This is a remake brings over the sho- brings over the shoulder third person gameplay as well as massive visual upgrades through Unreal Engine Five. It looks that, really good. That's promising. That it looks sense. really good. Like the reflections of like the like the wet like asphalt. Mm-hmm. Like it looks really good from the from the trailer we saw. I thought everything looked like when he's like he comes in and starts like whacking the nurse with the pipe and everything. Like the, like the details on the floor look really nice. I'm assuming that's in engine. It looks like it's in engine, but ultimately we'll see how it turns out. Uh, then we see Sign Hill Townfall. This is one of the more cryptic reveals from the Sign Hill transmission was Sign Hill Townfall. All that was shown for this project is a short clip of a voice on a radio describing the eerie events in the town of Silent Hill. With some spooky scenes appearing on screen, the game is being developed by No Code Studios under Annapurna and Konami. It's a significant task for the AA studio behind Observation and Stories Untold, which has reportedly had to double its team size to work on Silent Hill Townfall. 
I keep wanting to say downfall. It's downfall. Creative director John McKellen later confirmed there is more news on the way this year. So we only have like two months after this month. So this is going to say more. Johnny, you were about to say something too. Well, uh, I'm excited for that because Annapurna made Stray, right? They were involved with the publishing. I don't think they like outright created it directly. I'm going to look that up right now. Stray. And oh, did they develop? Looking it up, developer. No, developer is Blue Twelve Studio. Banaperna published it, so they were just involved in the distribution of the game, really. Okay. But uh, I mean, the fact that they're even involved in any way kind of tells you that it's like quality, right? Because Annapurna is sure. associated with quality, so that should mean something. Uh, so that was like the most cryptic one. That one's like the one we know about. And then last one right here, Sunny Hill Ascension. One of the more surprising announcements for Silent Hill Transmissions was Silent Hill Ascension, a real-time interactive event where fans will control the story. It seems to be a sizable project involving collaboration between Genvid Entertainment, J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Games, so not him necessarily, but his company, Behavior Interactive of Dead by Daylight fame, and DJ2 Entertainment. The trailer only showed a monster, so that's the, the big guy with the weapon, with a weird, like, tall neck face. And it says it shows a monster in a live chat reaction. Based on that, it may end up being an experience somewhere between something like Twitch plays Pokemon, but with an interactive film feel like Immortality or Black Mirror Bandersnatch. It has been said that what fans decide during the event is permanent and will shape the series canon forever. That's cool. That's interesting. I like that. So, Johnny, do you know what Twitch plays Pokemon is? No. So Twitch Plays Pokemon was this event on Twitch, goes without saying, right, where there was an AI playing the Pokemon, one of the old Pokemon games, but the way it did inputs was off of what the chat was saying. So the chat would say like left, right, up, A, B, or whatever, right? And in the, how it received that string of commands, it would implement it that way. Just first come, first serve. Yes. But it was weird because sometimes, like, it wouldn't make sense. So, like, let's say you say left, I say right. You're just back to where you started, right? Left, right, right? So, 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 like, the chat had to almost kind of, like, work together to get through the game. Eventually, the AI does beat the game off of random inputs. Some of them are random. Some of them are, like, kind of, like, uh, coordinated between the different people in the chat. Oh, it's just be a majority rule right yeah no no not majority rule it's just wh- whichever input comes in it receives it well it's first come first serve but if they tell you like take two steps and then there's 10 steps to the right and then only two to the left and then you're gonna end up yes rule. that's right so eventually just the over just like if we want if you wanted the ai to make the control player go to the end of a tunnel like eventually you're gonna get to the end of the tunnel just through the sheer amount of commands it issued yeah. of going up 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 compared to like oh left Right. Eventually, you're going to get there, right? Eventually, uh-huh. it's going to figure it out. So, if it's ca- that kind of situation, that would be interesting. I don't know if everybody would control the protagonist. I have to imagine it probably won't be that straightforward. They're probably just going to take votes. I Do think you, so. It's going to be real time? So. No, right? Uh, it says the trailer only showed... Uh, based on that, it may end up being an experience somewhere between some... Yeah, so interactivity... Uh, no, yeah, a real time interactive event. Yeah, that's definitely more exciting. I don't know. That means you have to be there or involved in the thing as it happens, then. So that's yeah, that's cool. cool. If they said, "Hey, tune in at this time," it's it's different. I don't know if if on YouTube, 
you get that feeling of like watching it live versus watching it 30 minutes after it's not the same yeah no nah, nah, because you're taking part shit, in the dude. chat and there's always the chance like oh maybe they'll like read out my comment or something right and then like when you're watching it later you're not as invested because there's no personal stake of yourself now yeah and then the real-time reactions it, it's a totally different experience because you also the chat spoiled for you so you already know what's coming up mm-hmm. also so last one right here return to silent hill will be the third film based on the series it had a trailer at the event Return to Silent Hill will be a reboot of the film series based on the story of Silent Hill 2, directed by Christoph Gans, who also directed the first film adaptation. That Silent Hill film was a box office hit when it was released in 2006, but was critically slated, as it is the case with many film adaptations of video games. But that seems less true in recent years with films like Detective Pikachu and series like Cyberpunk Edge Runners, impressing both commercially and critically. Examples that Gans will hopefully look to follow with Silent Hill. So they're making another Silent Hill movie, a reboot of an adaptation of the second game. And the guy who's making it is basically the guy who did the first Silent Hill film. Mm -hmm. Now, there were two Silent Hill films. I don't know if you remember that, Joe. There were two Silent Hill films. Like you mentioned, the first one did really great. The second one, like, did horribly. I I forgot what it was called. It was like Book of Something Something. But, like, no one talks about the second one because it's just, it's like Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Great first film, terrible second film. I never saw them, but this is what I've heard from other people. Okay. So, you know what? I It might be good, Johnny. I think we've learned a lot of lessons for video game adaptations of, I'm sorry, film adaptations of video games in the last decade. 2006 to now is a 16-year difference. I'm sure they could probably make a better Silent Hill film now. Just going off of like the examples. First film was pretty cool. Did you watch it? Yeah. And did it was it like was it faithful of was it one or two that was supposed to be? It felt the same. No, I'm saying was it based off one or two? Because I don't know. I think it was its own thing. Oh, it was like a separate own. Yeah. Okay. Well, if he's going for something that's already a thing like Silent Hill two, that should be even easier. It's like everything's already kind of written out for you, right? So now it's just doing that properly and faithfully. Yeah, I think it was same enemies. It's just the narrative was different. Well, there you have it, Johnny. So that's the we went from nothing Silent Hill to like five projects oh i want this kind of reminds me of the do you remember at the start of this month we're not going to talk about it too much because it was at the start of this month but the uh when cd project red announced all their like upcoming like projects for the future like witcher 4 as a whole trilogy and then like another witcher game that's not for i was sort of expected though like, but then like oh another cyberpunk game and like oh and their own ip that's not based on anything like, a, like their, their first like original ip that sounds normal to me like, of course, there's going to be another Witcher. Uh, no, but I'm saying announcing all these projects, like, oh, at the same the time. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. I, 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 like, I, them, I like them scattered. I, I was about to say, I, I prefer the slow trickle of, like, here's something in two years. Here's something in a year after that. Like, like after the two years pass, like, oh, here's our next project. Yeah. And then after that's done, then here's the next one. Like, because like, I feel like when you put out all this stuff at once... You get expectations high, and then you yeah, end up like the Nvidia leak, and then you end up not following through. Yeah, exactly. So that's my take on that. But you're um, to join. I wonder why they're investing so much in Silent Hill. They got five projects going on, right? And they're and they don't really know if there's even that much anticipation. I know there's been like all this talk online. But is it really warranted? Is it more because Konami just dropped the ball with Metal Gear, right? I think it's part of it. And then Konami, and then Konami has we know Konami has all these dope IPs, and they're just silent over there. 
And then people get hints of Silent Hill. So they're like, let's latch on to this fucking thing that we heard rumors about. But is there really that much hype? You know? Off the cuff, just right now, as you were explaining, as you were asking that question, I formed up the answers in my head real quick. So I don't know how true this is. This is my take. One, they saw the reaction to PT and how there is a hunger for that in games right now. Something that's like kind of like scary paranormal horror. Not just with PT, but also recently with uh, all these horror games that are big on PC right now. Like, uh, uh, shit, what's the one with like the hunting ghost? Do you remember what it's called? No. Brian, Brian, our, our cousin Brian and his friends play this all the time. It's uh, I can't remember the name, but like all these uh, different horror game properties that are hot right now with Dead Space remake, Callisto Protocol, the research, the redemption of Resident Evil with seven and eight onward, and the two remake. I think all of those were factors were like, you know what? Like, like we were there too. We were there at the beginning of the horror genre. Like we need to come back to that. Like there is an untapped market for that. That's one of my reasons. The other one I'm thinking, and I don't know this for sure, is just the goodwill of that brand of like, or Konami. I feel, I don't know this for sure, but I believe Konami right now, it's major money makers are Yu-Gi-Oh and uh, the, the cards, of course, the cards and, um, Oh shoot! What's the other one? The uh, other the, card game? No, they 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 have a uh, the pachinko machines and also the, the Pro Evolution Soccer, which is like the that they're like the other besides FIFA, they're like the other main football soccer competitor that people like playing. Like those are their major things they have going on, and I, it just seems like it would make sense. Like you're seeing the resurgence of horror in video games again. Why would you not want to get in on that, especially when you have? the rights to one of the original like founders of that genre. So that's off my off the off the cut uh take on that. I get that part. I agree with that part. But their cash cow is Metal Gear. True. And I think we're going to get there, so is there pretty five soon. projects for Metal Gear? What are we going to get? Well, okay, that? well we saw what happened when they did their last Metal Gear project, which was Survive. Maybe it's because and that like, bombed like crazy. Maybe we didn't get Metal Gear first because they're like, we really got to get this shit right and not fuck it up after the backlash from the previous Yeah, I think, I think Metal Gear is like their ace in the... It's like the last card you play. That's like your backup. Like, that's the one All you right. want to like... This is That's like the... Let's get that goodwill kind of thing again. That's like your emergency. That's a good point. Because if they put out a Metal Gear, there's... After the last shit, shenanigans, people might be like... I don't want to fuck with yeah, this game. No, exactly. I'm not going to pre-order... So they put outside the hill. They're like, this game is fucking great. Exactly. And there's no, nothing to question about the next Metal Gear that comes out. Right? Mm-hmm. If Silent Hill does well. Yeah. I really want to see uh, Castlevania, though. Oh, yeah. I've, I've never played any Castlevanias. I think what it might be is I have, I really have a bad itch for, uh, uh, oh, god damn, I just lost the... Side Scroller? No, from Soul Reaver. Oh. I need a good vampire game. In the meantime, until they do something with Legacy of King. <laughs> yeah. Over at uh, Embracer Group, right? Well, like, think about, like, how we've seen, like, I saw, like, someone put out a tweet about, like, how horror fans of games are eating good, right? You have the Dead Space remake, you have Callisto Protocol, you have Resident Evil. That meme pissed me off when you said it. Which I one? was like, where's Callisto Protocol? Because they had uh, three games, three horror games, uh-huh. and then one horror game I did not even recognize. I was like, how's Callisto not here? Oh, was, I did show. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. What was the other one? Was it Resident I, Evil? Silent it was Hill? Resident Evil, Silent Hill, Dead Space, and then the third game I did not recognize. A fourth game I didn't recognize. It wasn't the um, 
Shoot, now you have me curious, because I know I did send it to you. I have it in my gallery somewhere. Oh, shoot, was it a screen capture? I think it was a screenshot. It was like, oh, like, people are eating, horror fans were eating good, right? That was the yeah. one I sent you. Oh, it's not under screenshots. Oh, shoot. Maybe oh. it was a medium. Oh, no, it wasn't a medium. I don't think so. Let me look on, uh, where's my Twitter thingy here? Because now it, it bugs me that I don't know what it is, and I have to look it up now. I have to look it up. You have a pause button. I, no, not right Anyways. Now. I can't, okay, I'll look it up later, because now, ah, I hate when you do this to me, Johnny. I hate when you so, do this to me. eating good, and then what? Oh, the horror fans are eating good now with, like, all these releases and stuff of how, um, because, you know, you just have, oh, here, here it is. It's uh, Alone in the Dark, which is a remake of, like, a PC game from, like, the 90s, which was also a horror game. But that one wasn't like super scary, scary. That was more kind of like a atmospheric scary. A little in the dark. That's an old franchise. That's an old one. But yeah, that's right. That's included in there. Yeah, they're making a new one of those. So that's that's related, I guess you'd say. But um, yeah, I think Silent Hill is just it makes sense to kind of tap in after PT and after all this. Like, how are you gonna let other people like run away with what you made successful? You know. It's like about time for you to get back in. I mean, Resident Evil has the crown. They've always had the crown. That's right. Speaking of Resident Evil, Johnny. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to look up an article for this. Impressions. Resident Evil 4 remake. Go ahead. The cinematics look amazing. Looks beautiful. Right? The, yeah. the second trailer mm-hmm. that you get, everything looks fucking perfect. Um, I really have no complaints. I... Uh, Krauser, I didn't see any of him. There's no Krauser in the trailer. There's a lot of fans for Krauser. I'm pretty sure, show, seeing how like detailed they went with like all the all the stuff about like with Salazar and like uh, Luis and all that. Like, there's no way they're not going to show Krauser. I think they're just holding that like reveal to themselves right now. They show Ada. They show the the centipede guy, the boss. Right. They show the salamander that's in the lake. They show like every El Gigante. They show everything. There is no way, especially with how important Krauser is to the story, especially in the second half of the game. There's no way they're not going to show Krauser. I'm curious to see if they're going to go crazy with his transformation this time. Because if you remember in the original, all he does is just his arm becomes weird. Uh, with the exception of six, because I have disdain for six, four is one of my least memorable Resident Evils. I'm not going to lie. I I I think for me. And probably three, it's tied for me, where, like, I I played those the least. Three is probably one of my... It's, it might be my favorite. Three, really? Is yeah. Your favorite? My favorite's the remake of one. I think I... I don't know. Maybe because I'm playing with Jill, and it's where they switch it up. You're not just in a one location. You get to play through the city. Oh, I think the mansion... I love fucking Nemesis, too. I think the mansion's iconic, though. The Mansion? Yeah. I love... Yeah, it's, it's RE1 for me is probably my favorite RE game. The remake, though. Not the original PS1. I'm talking about, like, the GameCube Onward remake. Yeah, that sucks that uh, the remake didn't get the treatment that, like, 2 and 3 got. It, well, because it had its own remake in its time. Like, yeah. if you look at the remake of 1 compared to 1, like, it's a night and day difference. Like, it looks miles better. So, so much better. I, I, I don't want anyone to touch for 1 anymore. I think remake, the first remake... Is enough. We don't need no. That's one. fine. Yeah. That's fine. It's where it's at. Um, but yeah, four was the least memorable. But I still recall having a good time with it. Yeah, I mean with the 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Four, four is its own. Like that was like the first, I think, over the shoulder, like kind of step into like a more, a little more action oriented. It's I four set actually four is pretty iconic in its own way. They it set up like what basically what quick time event responses are like. That was the first game I remember having QTEs where you had to like push a button. I hate QTEs. I know, but four kind of pioneered that. I can't think of any game. So RE4 came out 2004, I want to say, on GameCube first, and it came out a year later on PS2. But I think that's like one of the that's probably the earliest example of what QTEs are as, as what we understand them now are. Quick time events. Quick time events, right? Where you're watching a screen, you're watching an event play out, and then you have to just push a button real quick, right? Like or like mash it or hold it, whatever it is. Have none of that. No, um, you can't leave that out. Well, you can't. Well, not the way it was before. If they have QTs, it's got to be like uh, I don't know what's the best way to implement it though. Like the best QTE implementation I've seen is a uh, uh, what is it called? They they just released a Quarry. Um, oh yeah, the the I forget the what the series is called. It's like Man of Medan and uh, the Devil in Me. It's those uh the Dark Picture anthologies. It's sort of like that. Yeah. What was a fucking game it's like one of the biggest game they put out oh the first one uh, until dawn until dawn yeah. i fucking love until dawn it's that, great that's and the that's QTE, all qtes i i know i know i i wish it wasn't but it's the best qte that i've ever can played. you even move around your player like do you, yeah you you oh, okay so you can actually move them around outside of like the, the quick time event it's a great game it's on my account if you didn't download it i have it on i think okay. i have it as it was one of the free games for one of the months of playstation plus i have it it's a great game and it's, it's super quick to to play mm-hmm. and you really do get invested in your characters and and then like you get invested in a character and they and then all of a sudden they're fucking dead right so it's it's great yeah i don't think it's a spoiler to say that like I, you could pretty much kill them off almost everybody on your who you well start. you could save them you just gotta make the right decision no right 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 you can i think you can walk away with everybody i think I, everybody i actually i had my two favorite characters to at the very end and then my favorite one I lost her on the last QTE. Because you like moved the controller or something, right? You told me, I think. I think that was the case, yeah. You were trying to hold it still or something? You had to it hold was, it still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it doesn't it doesn't give you any warning. It just says don't fucking move your control at some point. Uh-huh. But the the time it says that it tells on screen, you, it says on the screen, don't fucking yes. <laughs> the F words included in there. But the the moment it tells you, it activates it. I'd be scared if a game was threatening me like that. Like don't move it. No, don't like, fucking don't move. Fu- like, oh, Stop. Sh- I'm sorry, game. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, lost on last QTE, QTE, and I was, I was not gonna play it again. I loved it, but right. after losing that person, I was like, "Fuck this game." You were, you were emotionally damaged from that game. Yes. Like, I'm not. Emotional it's too soon damage, to yeah. emotional damage. Like, I'm not going back to that. But um, so, right, go ahead. I hope Resident Evil doesn't implement too much of that. If it does, uh, I'm gonna hate it. What do you think about the merchant coming back, Johnny? The merchant. Oh, he looks great. I hope. I hope he uh, connects with the previous merchant. Oh, the new one from eight. Yeah, from, from eight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, in the in the presentation, uh, the new merchant is talking about his homie from the from this. Is he I, okay? I didn't watch the whole presentation. I saw the trailer and the gameplay separately from the tr- presentation, so I missed out on that. I'll have to watch that now. What do you think about? Okay, you were less impressed with the gameplay video we saw, right? I don't know what you were expecting exactly, so... No, it looks fine. It's just, I don't know how much it's going to evolve from, from 2 and 3 remakes. Well, 
Well, because... two and three are completely in third person anyway, so it's not. It's, really inter- it's interesting that you told me about God of War feeling heavy. Resident Evil Remake One, I mean two and three feel like so fucking clunky compared to Kratos. I think three feels better than two, but two does feel clunky. Yes, they feel so sluggish. I think too. three feels better because you have like the instant dodge mechanic. It feels better, but two does. Oh, that's right. Two does feel uh, cumbersome. I guess you could say, yeah. So I hope they update the mechanics. Um, no, they're not going to do much of that. I, it looks like it, it looks like it, it's just village in third person. That's what it kind of looks like to me. I hope they got at least a good dodge mechanic. Um, does Leon have running? A, does Leon have a dodge mechanic in four? Does he dodge? I don't remember. He has like a back step, right? I think. I, why wouldn't they implement it though? I don't remember him. Ha- oh, I was just thinking of like how faithful that would be because I don't know if he does have that in four. I know that you can like shoot melee weapons out of the air, like when you shoot like axes. Yeah, at you. but it's like from the ground up. Like the okay. Last of Us. Remember, we got pissed because they didn't put the uh, prone, like prone crawling. Yeah, 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 yeah from yeah, yeah. part two to part one remaster. Right, right, right. Uh, I understood why, but still, like RE four remake, it's totally fucking fresh. So. Right. There's no reason not to do it. So I want a good dodge. I want him to run. Uh, if he has a stamina bar, of course, that's fine. Nah, I don't think they would do that. Why would you add a non-fun thing to RE4? It's fine the way it is. doesn't need a stamina bar. doesn't need one. I mean, don't they have it in, like, Call of Duty? Yeah. Online I only. think maybe it's Only the necessary. multiplayer. Only the multiplayer has it. The single player doesn't have that. As far as I remember. I could be wrong. But yeah, you don't need Call of Duty mechanics in Resident Evil. That's a different conversation I'm gonna have later on about Call of Duty. Speaking of, but okay, what bothered me about the gameplay is that stupid fucking dodge or whatever that was with the knife, and he puts the chainsaw oh. right, right between. The he knife. like parries it. It's like a parry. How is that a parry? Because he's like blocking it. With, he's like blo- trying to like block it with like the knife, and it just like it just looks really like it looks so dumb just because. The it's physics a, of it all. The, just it's takes a you, thin takes blade. Yeah. He can easily just move the, the chainsaw up or down to cut his fingers off. Yeah. There's like no guard or whatever on the left side of his hand. And it's yeah. just like, at first I thought it was his gun. I'm like, that's kind of dumb. And then when he told me it's a knife and I looked and I saw it was a knife, I'm like, that's even dumber. Yeah. Because like, yeah, it's a thin blade. Like, how's that going to hold up to the, like the brute, the brutality of a chainsaw? It's not. Okay. This is what bothers me about Resident Evil. It doesn't have verticality. Uh, so if they could implement that where you could get onto like a different level of the building, that'd be fucking great. Okay. Um, some of, some of them have that. Just not, it's not a, I mean, you have like, when you put up ladders and climb up ladders and stuff like that's, I don't even, I don't even need all that. Let me give you an example. Uh, the last of us part two, we met, uh, yeah, the last of us part two, right? Okay. It's all organic to where you're walking down a pathway, a hallway, and you get too close to a wall, you don't look like a zombie bumping into it. You start to touch the wall and then kind of bounce off of it. Right. Or you come around you, a... Or you press against it or... Yeah, you yeah. come around a, a little table and you, you know, you, like, put your hand to the side. You don't want to bump into the corners. Right. Or, it's not so stiff, yeah. Or if you're running across a, a location and there's enemies behind you and there's a three-foot three wall, like, right in front of you, you just hop over that shit, right? In Resident Evil... If there's a one foot barrier and there's zombies behind you, you're totally fucked. Like the, you can't go anywhere. Yeah, it's a, it's it's funny. Like I see people make fun of that. Where like there's like a fallen tree. It's like all oh, this pathway is blocked. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I need them to fix that. You need some kind of 
hopping mechanism just to get over the dumbest little barrier. Fallout 3 does that too where uh, you'll explore like an abandoned building and like the door, like, okay, like I'm not exaggerating. Like, the door is like half gone, right? The door is half gone. It's like, oh, this door is locked. <laughs> it's like, dude, just reach around and turn the knob. Like half of the door is missing. It's like, oh, like this door is locked. You can't enter. Like, come on, right? Yeah. Like there's, like I understand games can't do everything. They can't replicate real life. But like, in moments where you should be able to test these games to realize that the that you're not gonna pull this off on the gamer, like you know what I mean? Like, there's certain things, limitations that you're gonna have to be more creative to solve than just be like, oh, you can't go this path because there's like a waist high box blo- blocking your path. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, but we've come a long way since then. And yeah, I think Last of Us Two is a good example of how like how to smartly deal with that, right? Like I remember they came up with the entire like rope physics of like how to traverse using the rope to like latch on to and like pull use pulleys and stuff. Like like they went out of their way to make a system that like didn't they, have to they exist. They made the system but they didn't implement it often enough. Right. Yeah. It's not like a it's not a constantly reoccurring thing. It happens like yeah. three times yeah, maybe. Yeah. But still, like... That was part of marketing. That's why it was irritating. But the fact that it was even there, like, I thought was, like, super cool. Yeah. So, like, there is creative solutions if you try. Anyways, Johnny, what have you been playing? Um, I tried... Oh, I tried Hot Wheels. How was that? I saw it on my account that you were playing it. How yeah, was it? <laughs> I mistakenly uh, played on Andrew's account. It's okay. My own account. It's okay. Um... It feels good. It feels. I kind of feel. I think it feels better than uh, Need for Speed. Well, okay. So when this game came out, like it got like rave reviews for it actually being a really decent racing game. Like from what I understand, right, that the controls are like the way the sense of speed is pretty good. Yeah, I got online. I played with a couple uh, other car- a couple other racers, and it does feel good. The turbo feels right when you take the curves and you drift. That feels great. Uh, all the boosts, all that stuff feels good, except it's it's it feels like a one trick pony, right? Because you're just on this one track, right? For the most part, like real, hot, like real hot wheels. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like I'm either gonna go left or right or turbo, and then that's kind of it. There's no other paths really to take. Right. There's no weapons that you can use. Well, no, it's hot wheels. Yeah, yeah, but it, that's what makes it so limited um how about like the toy aesthetic how does that work for you the cars look cool of course i mean like the tracks and like the layout and like the like the exterior like what is it like backyard houses yeah it's just not that extensive um like you can um well there's a career mode right i don't know if they have more levels than what i'm about to describe but then you can go to uh, the track creator and then the track creator. Oh, it's the track creator. I didn't know that. That's cool. You have maybe five options and then you can get DLC. So you pick a room. So you could pick uh, like a little uh, office space or okay. a garage or uh, some other random place, right? Mm-hmm. But for the DLC, you can pick Batman's Lair. What? The Batcave? Yeah, the Batcave. That's cool. So you get that room, and then you can create whatever you want in that cave, or you could. And is there a, is it just like a square room, or is there like different like obstacles already, like the command, like control center, like a table, like? Yeah, that's why. That's why it's pretty cool. Also, oh, it's not just a blank square. No, no room. Like there yeah. is like geography in there. Like yeah, I, I didn't choose the Batcave because it's a DLC. Yeah, of course, right? Yeah. I'm not. 
But if it's anything like the other places, like the garage that I chose eventually. Or there's like natural obstructions and stuff. Yeah. So in the back, if, if, if I would have chose it, I could imagine if it was like the other room, you could go under the Batmobile That's or cool. through his desk where all the computers are. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, except the thing is the track creator isn't that intuitive. It's a little bit annoying. Ah, uh, so you have like little tiny collision things where like you can't put this here because of like a little thing sticking out. Exactly, I hate that. There, there's a little thing sticking out, and you you can maneuver, you can lengthen your track, or you can tilt it upwards or to the side. But sometimes there's a little. But it's gonna look weird, right? That's not the the annoying part. the The annoying part is the testing. So you can run your track the way you think it looks cool, right? Yeah. And then you get to the end. And you put your finish line, and then you test your track, and all the stuff you created turns out is just total bullshit because the game has all these physics, right? Oh, just like in real life. Yeah, that's cool. That's I actually kind of like that because, like, growing up, like you had Hot Wheels tracks, I had Hot Wheels tracks. Like, just because you can make a track doesn't mean the cars are gonna stay in the track. Like, like quick turns, they're gonna fly off the track. They're just gonna fly off the track, or like. They'll get stuck sometimes, right? They get stuck. So you need like those little the speed boosters on the sides of the buffering, the spinning uh-huh. things to like speed it up or whatever. I kind of like that because I remember like you would want, you would get like a bulky car and it's like, of course that's not going to conform to the track. It's too heavy, right? So is it that kind of situation? Like those kind of physics? Well, the physics part are cool because if you, if you make a track uh, like flat and then you take a dip, your car is going to continue fly with the folk. physics and yeah. fly way past the track. Right. Right, good old was it the what's that new to- Isaac Newton right? about a force will continue until acted upon or whatever kind of, that kind of thing, right? Uh, object in motion stays stays in motion, in motion right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if you make a dip that's too steep, your car is gonna go flying, and then if you made a turn before your car is back on the oh. track, you've already lost a turn, right? That makes sense. So the reason that it's annoying, so you had to like slow down at the dip to like not fly off the track or whatever. Yeah. Except when you're creating a track, it's super annoying because you'll create this entire track that ends up being worthless because it's hard to go to go back to edit and find out where your track has to meet up again. And you have to make all these calculations. Oh, I got you. Now, the, the, the way they could have solved it is as you're creating a track. Like stretch it or something. No, they just could have made a ghost car. That's it. Oh, it's constantly playing as you move. That plays on a loop that tells you like, oh, your car's going to fly out. So maybe tilt your track a little bit higher up. Mm. So every time, like every piece of track that you create, you have to test it. That reminds me of the, like in uh, Forza, I think Gran Turismo too, but Forza has a thing where like they have the line you're supposed to follow as you're racing. Mm -hmm. And then like if it turns red, it means like you're too far, like coming up, you're going to have trouble staying on the track. So you have to like make it like, it like there's like a light, a color indicator that tells you like whether you're like oversteering or understeering. Like, that would be useful to tell you, like, oh, like, we've run the simulation already, and, like, this isn't going to work or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I have that in Grand Stars and Red just means, like, start using your brakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's a, that's a good example. Yeah. Um, Like, the turn's too wide or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I play the game. The driving feels good. The cars are the ones that you unlock. You get, like, three cars. Are they, like, just random cars or, like... Uh, like themed after different like things because Hot Wheels has like a huge like repertoire of like like they have ice cream trucks they have I didn't like the first three cars that I got oh I got this long car that I had no idea where it's from I got this PT Cruiser and then I think I had a van 
Okay, so there's like a mix of like real and non-real. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, but the other cards that I saw that I was raising against, those look awesome. So if there's a Batcave, can you unlock the Batmobile? Oh, you probably can. Oh. You just, yeah, it's probably licensed to that DLC. Oh, shoot. Okay, I thought like, there was like already like licensed like vehicles in the game by default. Like, well, uh, you can probably buy those individually without that whole package of the... Did you eventually find like like this is the car for me kind of thing? Nah, I stuck with those three cars. <laughs> I played a couple tracks. I tried the track editor. After I got frustrated with the track editor, I was like, this, this isn't for me. It was just... Um, can you add the things like they have like in real life with like the spinning things they make you go faster? The little buffer things? I didn't see those. I uh, saw the, the backwards loop. Uh, okay. So you can, make, so you can get crazy car sort of like with the loops and spins. and Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I need to play that game. I have it too, obviously. I need to play it too. Uh, so there was that. I tried Call of Duty. Did you? Yeah. Okay. That so, should be interesting. So you picked that up. Yeah. I didn't get too far though. Uh, Call of Duty has this issue I've always had with first much, person. Well, there's first person, first person, but I don't know why Call of Duty is very, very sensitive with your joystick. Um, because right now I've played other games, right? I'm yeah. a, I'm okay, but Call of Duty has always given me a problem where, like the jo- the stick won't won't run. Like I don't know, I changed the uh, sensitivity, sensitivity and everything, uh-huh. and your character is just fucking walking the whole time. Oh, you have to click in on the uh, on the left. Yeah, yeah, I know. That no, was... no, no. I had that issue too, where like you you run, but the only thing that changes is your animation. You're still like moving slowly, like like you're walking and then you're running, but you're still almost moving at the same speed. But now the animation just looks more active. It's weird. I I noticed that too. Like you run really slowly in the campaign. Well, either way, it's it wasn't changing for me. Okay. Like I would, I would try to sprint or a tactical sprint, and my guy was just always moving at the same rate. Did you do, like the dives? Like when you push circle, you're like. Whoosh. I didn't dive. I or slide or whatever. This isn't spoilers, because uh, oh. I didn't get too far. I got, I cleared out uh, one of the residential areas where there was a, a holdout. So I went in there, took everybody out, and then I got to a place where there was a. Um, like a C one thirty crashed in a field, and then I oh, had oh okay that's really early on yeah yeah I jumped in the C one thirty I took everybody out I had a yeah, you, like defended launcher, right yeah against the waves defended that yeah 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 and then I got to the section of the snipers you remember that part yes all right so I got to the damn sniper and this is where I was like this I've had fucking enough because. I'm getting sniped when you're I, out in the field and you get shot you have to like go dot like prone like yeah I. I have to get to the guy's gun, right? So I can't run and then go prone. I had to go prone the whole damn time. No, you have your secondary. Your secondary is a long-range weapon. Did you switch to it? No, they told me I had to get the guy's gun. Really? The snipers. Yeah, because okay. they took out... The sniper took out one of my guys. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I remember now. So I had to pick his thing up. Yeah, to be the... Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to run from cover to cover. But I, I couldn't run. So I had a fucking prone everywhere. Your primary, it's like it's taken half a day just to get to my guy. <laughs> Your primary weapon is almost good enough to just do the sniping, like the one you already have. It's just a little takes a while. It's kind of hard, but you can like pick off one or two guys enough, and that will make it like a much easier to go pick up the rifle. Well, I got to the rifle eventually. Eventually, and then and then it says, uh, "Get to your guys over here in this area." Yeah. So I I go over there and then I snipe a few. Uh, night vision didn't help all that much. I usually turn it off unless I'm outside. 
inside it's 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 an issue for me so yeah oh okay so in the buildings it works better no out for outside for me it works better inside it's it's a it's it gets a glare it's annoying okay yeah so i took out the snipers i started going into the building and clearing them um but i just i just couldn't get like with the uh with the stick sensitivity and also being first person i was like ah Nah, I'm good. I'll pass. I, I really wanted to play it though, because I do love the stories. I do love the campaigns. Yeah. If it was multiplayer, I wouldn't. I would not fucking touch it. But right, right, right. What's your What's your experience with it so far? Uh, okay. So, so you so you're done talking about what you played then? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I I completed the campaign. Uh, I downloaded it Thursday, finished it uh Friday night. I down yeah, I downloaded it Thursday after work, and I finished it Friday night. Um. Oh my god, my thoughts on this game are all over the place. So, you're right. It the I'm just thinking of the beginning, like how it starts off with like that dope, like shocking awe thing with like the you're careening the missile down the down the canyon. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was dope. Um, I'm not gonna go too much into. I don't want to go too much spoilers, but like Modern Warfare Two feels feels like a game that was made by people who workshopped inside and say like, hey. What else can we do with this game? Because later on in the game, they introduce a lot of mechanics or a lot of like little things that are not traditional Call of Duty. Are you saying from the original game? From any of the original previous Call of Duties. Okay. Like there, later on in the game, there's like a crafting system similar to like Last of Us, where you pick up like tape and like metal clips and you make like something for like opening doors, like a, a shiv or like it is weird. The they introduce so many mechanics that just feel out of place um there's a segment there's a really cool section where you're trying to defuse like a bomb or something but like you're on the move because enemies are pursuing you at the same time so you have to like get a distance away from the enemy you're, you're like in a small area too so you have to like you don't have any weapons and you have to like craft these different tools to kind of like kind of like macgyver tony stark your way through them what do you mean you're on the move that sounds like a cool mission you're you're in a small area and you can't let the enemies catch you because they have guns. You don't have guns, and you have like this briefcase and you're trying to like defuse this bomb, but like you're against the clock while still avoiding these guys at the same time, and it's just like really stressful. But it feels so out of place, like from a gameplay perspective for Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Call of Duty is very much like all spectacle and very linear traditionally. Like you get these cool like set pieces, these cool like moments where like the the action's taken away from you to like witness like this really cool event, like uh, like kind of like a Hollywood blockbuster action movie, right? Uh-huh. Call of Duty's always big, big into spectacle and like shock and all kind of stuff, which the first mission kind of shows that, right? With like the when you're in the desert controlling the missile and everything, right? That's not a spoiler because it's literally the first mission. But there's this as as someone of Mexican descent, I don't know if you got far enough, but like a good like half of the game later on is told from the perspective of Mexican special forces. And it's just really interesting and really cool to, it's like you're hearing these people talk and I could close my eyes and I'm swear I'm listening to like my Theo Jose or someone like having a conversation where like, it's like, Oh, like, like weigh this and weigh that. And they're like, it's funny. The game translates the, like it, it translates not a direct translation, but the spirit of like a phrase. Right. So like there's a part where like he said or like um 
one of you're playing as one of the British guys interacting with one of the Mexican guys, and like one of the Mexican guys is like your partner for that mission, and like he says "awevo," and just like yeah, like it translate <laughs> like that's not a direct translation, but it's the direct. It's like a, the spirit of the translation, like the phrase "awevo." If you speak Spanish, "awevo" can mean so many different things. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, it can also mean like barely. It can also mean like like with an attitude. It can mean like all these different things, but. Like, whoever they consulted or whoever they had in the writing room, like, gets it. And I was, like, surprised that it was somebody who could, like... Because it could have been so easily to make, like, any Mexican character, like, a cliche. And they didn't. They didn't. Like, like I don't want to go to spoilers, but, like, there is parts of the game which are set in Mexico where I'm like, this literally looks like I've been here before. Like, just the way the structures of, like, the towns and, like, the ranches and, like, the city... Like, this looks like Mexico. Like, they really went all... And the last time I was this amazed was, I think, for, for Forza Horizon 5, which is set in Mexico. And so it's just really cool how, like, they have the dialogue. Like, like oh, like, the pinche way. Like, they like, like, having, like, like, the, like, the banter. Because Call of Duty does a lot of the banter stuff. And, like, it seems so authentic. And I'm just, like... They, they easily could have made this, like, super cliche. You know what I mean? Like... Like, oh, everybody's, like, a, a narco or something. And, like, there is narcos involved in the campaign. If you, I mean, like, they kind of talked about that before the game even came out. So that shouldn't be a spoiler. But that's, like, that was, like, in the trailer and stuff. But, like, all of it feels so authentic. And, like, I really appreciate that. Now, the parts about the game I don't like, which you kind of mentioned, I mentioned already, are the mechanics. And sometimes it feels very clunky, which is weird. Because Call of Duty traditionally feels really good to play, in my in my experience. Like, the sensitivity issue, I never really had that. I kind of had that with this one, and I adjusted it real quick. I adjusted the settings. I had to adjust like, inversion where up is down and down is up for me, because I hate when up is up and down, like when you're controlling the vehicle. I hate that. So I had to fix that. I had to fix the sensitivity. It was way too sensitive for me, too. I had to change it to make it a little doler. So I'm not, like, flip doing, like, 360 flips when I flick the, the joystick or whatever. I had to fix that. Um... Even on normal, did you play on hard? Because you normally do. I don't recall. No? Okay, I played it on normal. Even on normal, the game is hard. Like, I found myself dying a lot. This game has an issue where it gives you instructions too late. So there's, like, a portion where, like, you start off this part where you're supposed to be running, and it doesn't tell you what direction you're supposed to be running. Turns out you're supposed to be running the opposite way you're facing. I kept running forward, and it... I kept dying. Like, why am I dying? I'm doing what the game is telling me to do. And then it's like, if you, it tells you, it's like, okay, run from enemies. Like, and then like, it tells you like, run back to like this place. And it's like, but it shows up so quickly. I don't have time to read the whole thing. I'm just thinking it says run from enemies, not realizing that the end of the sentence tells me the direction to go. So it happens more than once with that situation. Another situation where like the on-screen directions or the on-screen information is not giving me the full picture. That happens more than once. So, um, overall, you haven't gotten far enough because you didn't finish it. But like overall, the story, the game is not afraid to call things by what they are. Like they mentioned Iran. They. I was surprised about that. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Like that. Usually, it's some unnamed country with some unnamed enemy. But like, Al- there's Al Qaeda. There's Iran. There's Russia. By the end of the game, like mini spoiler. Sorry. There's like um, they talk about. Um, uh shoot what was the other one almost everybody except for china it's it's like a who's who's gallery of like u.s enemies basically north korea 
Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Not yeah, they don't mention North Korea, but they mention like oh, like Russia's involved. Or Russia, Russia's having because oh yeah, like Iran is on the side. Like Russia's on Iran's side or something. I forgot the other way, which is in real life is true, right? I think Russia supports Iran. Um, right? Johnny's looking confused right now. He's thinking. Oh yeah, Russia sides on Iran, right? On most issues, I think. I think it's more of a enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right, right, that kind of situation. But like they t- they go into that stuff where like they name the. Call of Duty usually strays away from anything could even be remotely considered political, but like they they just head on tackle it. So I was kind of like, well, okay, kind of impressed by that. Um, overall, I enjoyed the game. I think I like the previous Modern Warfare a little bit more. The the one that takes place before this one, the two, 2019 Modern Warfare, because mm-hmm. there are some returning characters in this one that I was happy to see. Like, oh, like they brought back so and so from the first one. Like that's cool. Um they kind of telegraph early on like what the plot's going to be later on like what the big like the big reveal is telegraphed so easily like in the beginning just by the way that people like interact or like talk like oh like this is like that's going to be the bad guy later on and then sure enough i was right like that was a bad guy later on so it's kind of predictable it's a very blockbustery kind of game uh i guess the campaign i mostly buy call of duty for the multiplayer but so far the campaign i've enjoyed it uh yeah it took me like probably like six hours it does things a little bit differently where there's some missions that are kind of open-ended where traditionally Call of Duty is like very like a corridor, just push forward. There's some missions where it's like you need to take care of these four things, but you can do them in any order. So they kind of give the player a little more agency. I think it really slows down the momentum of the game though. It really feels like padding. There's like a part where you're sniping at a base and then you have to run to the base. And that run is like probably like five minutes of just holding the stick forward. So you talking about like you crawling across the field. Like I got that multiple times later on in the game where like, like I'm just traversing. But as you're running, like your characters are having conversations on the radio. So I'm like, okay, this feels like this is included. So you can actually have those conversations with the characters. Like, I mean, like it feels like padding, not for padding's sake, but for story purposes. And so, like, you get a lot more banters, way more dialogue in this Call of Duty than any other Call of Duty I've played. Like, by the end of the game, like, you really know these characters really well. And it's really cool. It's it's kind of like you build this camaraderie with all these characters. And by the end, like, like yeah, like, we're a unit. Like, we're a team. Like, this is... It feels very Fast and Furious-like, like, family. You know what I mean? Like, which is goofy to say, but Call of Duty really is just, like, Fast and Furious. Like, bombastic explosions... I mean, they haven't gone. To, oh, they did go to space. Yeah, they did. Yeah, not in this Call of Duty, but in their Call of Duty, they do go in space. Yeah, yeah. So like, just the whole it's it's like a great analog for what Fast and Furious is, but like with military, and like they kind of tease like who the villain's going to be in the next one. It's like oh, like they're going there because it's because Modern Warfare Two is basically a reimagining of Modern Warfare Two two thousand nine, right? So some of the characters are introduced again, but like they're kind of shuffled around, like they're not exactly the same characters. So do, does this game give you any hints of like way in the future Call of Duties? I I can pretty much tell what Modern Warfare Three is going to be. Yeah, all right. Just well, just Modern Warfare Three. I don't know about other Call of Duties outside of that, but Modern Warfare Three, like I know, like the game leaves you telling you like exactly who it's going to be, and it's like oh, like they're bringing back like so and so character from like a decade ago. Like that's cool. That's cool. So uh, that was my experience with Call of Duty. Um, looking forward to the multiplayer now. Uh, the other game I've been playing, I haven't gotten too far in. I put like three hours into is a Plague Tale Requiem. You already played this one. 
No, I played a Plague Tale Innocence, which was the first oh, game. Oh, okay, okay. Requiem just came out last week on Game Pass. On Game Pass, by the mm-hmm. way. You can play on Game Pass. That's where I'm playing it. Uh, it just immediately takes off after what, what everything happened in Plague Tale Innocence, the first game. Uh, there's rats again. <laughs> there's rats, and you're playing as the same two characters, Amicia and I forget the kid's name. Does it always have to be rats? Hugo. Does it always have to be rats? <laughs> yes. Could it be a locust or... I, mean, I feel like we had this conversation before. No, not like that. Not about this game. Oh, I just got deja vu. Yeah. Didn't you ask me about this before? You said it couldn't be lo- it couldn't be something else? Maybe I did ask you, but This feels like deja yeah. vu, man. How good is your deja vu? I've had like, deja- like you're in the same pose almost like how I feel like I've talked to you. I'm in this the- pose often. Okay. In this room. In this No, just that part. Like, why is it always rats? I'm like, like, wait, what? Like he's asked that before. How good is your deja vu? Sometimes I have deja vu for like five seconds straight. No, this was like probably like th- two, three seconds. Like just for you saying that phrase and you saying, why couldn't it be locust? Why couldn't it be something else? Like that was all part of the deja vu. Hmm. Oh, because it has to do with the story. That's why. And it has to be rat specifically because it has to do with the bubonic plague and stuff. And that doesn't make sense with locusts and other stuff. Hmm. So. Uh, I'm not too far into the game. I'm like three hours in because I got distracted when Modern Warfare 2 came out. Like I, I played uh, Plague Tale Requiem the day before Modern Warfare 2 came out. And I'm going to play it probably when I get home later tonight. But um, it feels better. It looks so much better than the first game. Like obviously it just looks... I played the first one on PS4. It was one of the free games for one of the PlayStation Plus months. I'm playing this on PC on Game Pass and even on my PC like which is... It's not high, not the highest end. Like I'm not pushing like anything like a three night thirty ninety RTX whatever. But like the frame rate was really bad. I haven't noticed. Okay. Maybe I maybe my settings or performance. I think it might be on console. It might be. I'm playing on PC and it looks like gorgeous on PC. It looks so much better than the PS4 version. The first the lighting game. looks good in it. It looks really good. It looks like I had to. I've gone into like photo mode a couple of times already with it. Um. Amicia, whose main character you play as, she handles better. She feels better in this game. She feels, uh, she felt kind of sluggish in the first one. This one, she's a little crispier, a little smoother. Maybe because she's taller. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. She's taller in this game. Like, like she's aged a little bit. Both characters have. And her combat abilities are a little, there's more variety where before, like, in the first game, your takedown animations were like the exact same two every time. And here, I, I see like maybe four or five different variations of the takedown. So they kind of, Invet, they got you know they got success from the first game. They decided to splurge a little on maybe animators or a little you know kind of dress up the game more than the previous one. Other than that, the way you traverse, it's basically you're escorting your brother and like you use him to like crawl into small places you can't reach, but also you have to protect him from enemies. It feels like if you're playing like Leon and Ashley from RE4, but like that's the entire game, essentially. So it's a little annoying, but I don't mind it because the way the game uses those mechanics, it doesn't feel like such a hindrance. In fact, the parts where you are separated, I kind of, I feel like under-equipped because your brother's like so useful as like a diversionary kind of like secondary figure. That That's going to be interesting if games ever start implementing like you have a whole group behind you and they all do different tasks. Uh-huh. Like, you know, as your little partner. Right. Like, you're the main character, but they all have their own use, and then you get to decide when you're going to implement that. Oh, like a squad kind of, basically? It's not like a squad kind of thing, right? Yeah, sort of. But, but each one has, like, their own specialization. Yeah. Kind of. yeah. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, 
I don't have much more to say. I'm only three hours in. The story looks... I think I might know where the story's going. I don't know for sure. It's still too early. Um, looks gorgeous. Plays pretty well. Voice acting still on par with the last one, which is like super voice acting. Um, like everything feels so like expressionful. And I'm not sure if that's a real term, but it's the opposite of expressionless is what I'm trying to go for. The uh, last big boss was uh, for the last game was a pope, wasn't it? It was. He wasn't a pope. He was the head of the Inquisition, which is like an inquisitor. So pope looking, but still subservient to the actual pope. He was like the head of like the Inquisitors, which was like the conquista. Yeah, he was like he looked like a pope, but he wasn't like the actual pope. Pope. Okay. Actual pope. Pope. Yeah. Someone of that like stature or that kind of like level, but yeah. Um. So yeah, that's those are the two main games I play. Oh, let me tell you what's something cool that happened. Uh, while I still have time, I started playing. So I started playing the Division, probably back in March, but I only played like two hours, right? So I wanted to play it. This was last weekend. I wanted to play it again, but I forgot what I did. So I just started a new save all, all over again. And I started a new file. And so if, for people who don't know, The Division is like one of those like uh, live service games where like you can jump in and jump out. I'm playing like the I'm doing the tutorial again. I passed the first tutorial. I do like the main first mission, like first quest. And then it says like, oh, so-and-so has joined your session. I'm like, what the heck? Like who's joined me? I'm like What? And then I hear a voice speak, and I reckon I instantly recognize who it is. It's one of my high school friends who I haven't talked to in over a decade. My friend Joseph Salazar. I'm sure he doesn't mind if I say his name. Joseph Salazar. He um he was uh we were in the same grade. I he left. He, he didn't stay for our senior year. He went to a different school our senior year. But like he was someone that I used to talk to all the time when I was in high school. And I think I think we added each other back during the PS3 days, which was exactly when I was in high school. And you know, I, I'm sure Johnny, you've experienced this. You have people on your friends list who like you don't keep in contact with every single person on your friends list, right? You have like maybe the same four or five at the top, and then everybody else is just like, last sign out was eight months ago, last sign out was nine months ago, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, right? So Joseph, I forgot. He, I see him on my friends list all the time. He's always playing the division two and i just it just slipped my mind that he's always playing the division two so when he joined me i was like oh duh and he always plays late at night i i always see him i never give him like a second thought i kind of just go on and do my own thing whatever i'm playing is what i'm whatever i'm playing right but every now and then i'll check like oh who's playing right now like who could i like who can i talk to about a game or whatever and i'll check my friend list and sometimes it just says like they're on but it doesn't tell you what they're playing right or sometimes it shows like oh like they're uh they're playing Fortnite or Warzone or some other game, right? And then I always see him like Division Two, and like you know when you like you hover over someone and it scrolls like to tell you the full title, like Division Two level one thousand. He is like level one thousand something, which I didn't even know it went that high. And he joined my session. He's like, hey Andrew, I'm like, hi, like like Joseph, because his name, his on screen name is not his like actual name. It's like some j something abbreviation number x number you know some generic sorry so yeah a generic like online username right with a name followed by the numbers right like joseph is that you he's like yeah like oh dude like i haven't talked to you in so long and like he's like telling me his entire life story for the last decade i'm like dude like like that dude has gone through so much stuff in the last decade i was like wow like i had no idea they're talking about like court hearings and 
like just change like life-threatening situations and then recovering and like oh my dude like you lived like an entire like movie in your life and i and we're just playing the division two but like he's kind of like guiding me through so apparently division two does this thing where the person who joins you like their level scales down to the host character right Okay. But you keep all your equipment and stuff and all your guns and stuff, but it just scales down so it's not like completely like uneven, right? So it's not like he's just killing people with one shot and I'm like struggling to like empty, you know, clips into people or whatever, right? And so like we're just kind of playing and but I'm not even like paying attention to what I'm playing anymore. I'm just like talking to him and I'm just kind of just going through the motions. Like follow the map marker, follow the HUD to tell you like where to go and like and just oh here's the enemy there, shoot, do progress mission or whatever. And it's like, it was cool catching up with someone who I hadn't talked to in like over a decade. And like, unfortunately, he lives now in Seattle. He lives up north now. Uh, and it's like, oh, like that would have been cool to hang out. Because he's somebody I paintballed with once. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, airsofted once with years ago. And so it was just cool catching up. And I was like, I wonder, like, like, do you have any situation? Like, do you, do you have like that kind of situation, Johnny, where you have people who you forgot, like have the same game? I guess it depends on the game, right? Because... He was able to just jump in. Most games, you have to do the matchmaking, like, in the lobby and other stuff. Like, have you ever, like, is there anybody, like, what's the longest you've gone without talking to somebody in a game? And then, like, oh, like, here you are. I don't know. I don't really think about that because I I have those type of people in my social media. Right. But I don't have that on PlayStation. On PlayStation, I have, like, five people. But do you ever, like, just look at your friend list? You're like, I wonder what would happen to so-and-so when, like, they haven't logged in in more than a year or something. No, not necessarily. Like, I have it as logged off, like, permanently, right? Oh, so people never know when you're on. No, I just have it off all the time. Is that because they, like, annoy you or what? No, not necessarily. Because it's only, it's only, like, you, you, Joe, Brian, and then a handful of my friends. Right, your Fortnite right. friends, right? No. Oh. That's a whole different account. Oh, it's a separate section. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm talking about, like, the PlayStation Networks, Network stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you're talking like Fortnite shit, fuck, dude. There's like a hundred people there. On just your a friends bunch list? Of fucking randos, yeah. Who just add you? And you're like, it's just like, hey, be my friend. I'm like, okay. Whatever. Oh, you did tell me that about that one kid, right? Like, that one kid's like, hey, like, I'm my friend. And you're like, like, no. Or would you say, like, okay? Or. I don't know. Sometimes they act weird, dude. Like, oh, like, you're probably talking about sometimes because I'll, I'll add people that have mics right because okay. that's the reason i go into that type of like game. why even play with someone who doesn't yeah yeah exactly so i add people with mics but sometimes they want to get a little bit too close and then they'll they'll start acting like hey bro like why don't you open up to me like why don't you tell me what's going on? <laughs> what the heck what's your life or like <laughs> no nah, dude like i don't i don't know who you are. i don't even know what your face is right yeah um you're talking about that dude um well, in my case, it was someone who I grew up with, who I'd lost contact with. Like, like this whole, this guy's had like a whole family in that decade. No, yeah. Like, and, you know the guy. You, yeah. I hung out with him. I mean, I don't know him how he is now, but I knew him yeah. who he used to be. And so it was just, it was interesting. Cause like, I, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like that, like this kind of situation can even happen like digitally where you're just like playing a game and someone who, like, you haven't talked to in a decade just can just drop in and you just have, like, a conversation. And, like, this isn't the first time that's happened to me. This also happened to me about probably, like, at the start of the pandemic where I was playing, um, what was I playing? Oh, when I was playing Warzone. Warzone. And then one of my other friends from high school who, again, I hadn't talked to in years, 
uh i think his his cousin was like my first girlfriend so this was like years ago and then like he's like oh hey like hey andrew how's it going and we just like it's just so weird because like games were never capable of that before like you weren't doing that crap in super nintendo ps1 days and like like now like games are so integrated with like social media and like the internet and it's like like usually you have that kind of encounter when you go to a mall right or you go to like a theme park and you run into somebody you recognize from like your younger days and like now with a perpetually online like video game kind of like network we have now like it's neat that that kind of stuff can still happen but like in a, albeit in a different space you know what i mean I don't, I don't know what my point is here really exactly i just think it's it's like a novel thing to to experience that now can I get what I'm saying? Sorry. Yeah, it sounds like you're gonna be first in line for Meta. I don't know about that. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I want to. Meta looks so ugly though. It looks, it's it looks disgusting. like something. It looks like something Nintendo would have made like 12 years ago or something. It is a disgusting aesthetic. Yeah, it looks goofy. But um, anyway, I just wanted to share that story because I thought that was really cool. And if any of you guys, if anybody listening, has ever had a situation like where out of nowhere somebody on your friends list just reaches out to you or just joins what you're playing like i, I want to hear from it i want to hear from you guys any either i whether i know you or not like i want to hear that kind of stuff because it's really cool it's it was just cool i'm glad it was a positive interaction like, it could have gone the other way it could have been like some douche or something like but it was it was just a neat thing that happened so yeah i just wanted to share that with you guys so oh yeah so i've been playing the division too clearly that's that's the other game i i was I'm like level ten, which isn't that deep. Yeah, but uh, it was cool. He was helping. He was helping me out. Like it wasn't just like we we're just like talking. He's like, oh, like, co- like, oh, go do this mission. Like this one's like easier. Or do this one for grinding. And, like, just the nature of where we are with games, where like you can help people with co-op online, and it's just really cool. It's just really rad stuff. So that's that's it. I'm gonna okay. I've talked enough about that. I'm gonna drop it now, Johnny. Okay, last question I wanted to ask you. Sure. Um, what have you been watching? Let's do this. Um, I'll just tell you what I've You're been watching. You're going to be watch- disappointed. Well, that's not true. You might not be disappointed. Okay, go, go tell me. I've this. watched the finale of House of the Dragon. I don't know if you're into House of the Dragon or Game of Thrones or any of that stuff. Middle Evil stuff. Not yes, bad, so. yes. So good. Way b- I-, I like this more than Game of Thrones, honestly. And it's funny because there's nowhere near the same amount of action. Can I watch it and not have watched? Game yes, because okay. it's a prequel. It takes place like two hundred years before, so you don't really need Game of Thrones. It, it kind of helps. There's like a there's a specific reoccurring theme that they mention that has payoff in Game of Thrones, but it's like a prophecy kind of thing. Yeah. And if you've seen Game of Thrones, you know exactly what they're talking about. But if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, you're just it's not that important because it's kind of like in the background. It's it's interesting, like looking back at history, there could be a gap of two hundred years and nothing has changed all that much. Like the aesthetic, the technology, oh, oh dude, yeah, the yeah, weaponry. Yeah. It's just stuck in medieval yeah. settings. The technology has not advanced. Well, I mean you could say that for like for, that's a lot of history. I was gonna say from eleven hundred to thirteen hundred is the same gap in like there's I guess what they swap in the catapult for the trebuchet and like they make bigger ships maybe but like there's not a drastic change mm-hmm. at least not in the way people live compared to 1800 and 2000 then that's a completely different thing right but yeah. um yeah so yeah house of the dragons is dope uh it has like one of those major cliffhangers where it's like like oh shoot like this is gonna have massive consequences when we get to season two whenever that is exactly 
Uh, it's it's very much like a character focused story. There's not that much action. It's just a lot of political in family like intrigue, right? So it's like, like to kind of just tell you what happens like the first two episodes. It's not a huge spoiler, but basically there is an uncertain situation where the king has two potential heirs to take over when he like passes on, and like you think it's resolved early on. He kind of like names his heir, but like later on, like the other one almost has a more like legitimate claim to being the heir which is weird like i'm not gonna go into details exactly but like it just works differently and um what do you want to do with this it's a charger you don't want to charge your phone no my phone's fine my phone's fine i only have i have like 70 percent still and like the way that the politics and who allies with who and what's best for the kingdom overall like it's just really cool like political intrigue mixed with like a fantasy setting so it's really dope um watching andor i'm not gonna get too much into andor right now because i just did a pod on it like last weekend going talking about it so i don't want to over exhaust myself with andor but andor is so different from what we've received like from mandalorian or boba fett or even like bad batch or any of the other star wars shows like this is a much darker more mature kind of star wars it's kind of it's also kind of slow i'll tell you right now it's i was about to mention it It was first on my list i saw the first episode Everything looks great, but damn, it's just boring. Like, the first show, the first episode at least was, like, so fucking... It's boring if you're looking for action specifically, yeah. I think... No, just the narrative as well. No, There's so many other things that I watch that I'm like, this is fucking intense. It's slow. And And it's slow. I'll tell you right now, episodes four through six are, like... I thought there was only three. No, there's six now. Okay. Seven, actually. There's seven. As of right now, there's seven episodes. Uh, episodes four through six are their own, like, self-contained, like, Andor, like, story. And, like, it's... Uh, I was going to tell you, I love heists. Whether it's, like, Ocean's Eleven or Sly Cooper 2 or anything like that. Episode four to six is, like, the planning and, like, execution of a heist. And it's, like, amazing. It's It's great. It's great. The first three episodes are kind of a slow burn. I'll admit that they're a slow burn, but I think by episode three, like you do get a huge payoff action wise. Okay, this is the whole episode. And all all of episode three is pretty much action. I think yes, three episode three. Okay, so I just gotta get to three. Okay, once you get to three, if you don't love it by then, then you know I guess that's as far as you can get. But I actually really like. I'm really enjoying Andor just because of how it expands the lore and the world building of Star Wars as a whole. Also, what's his name? The main character, Andor. Oh, that's his name. <laughs> all right, Cassian Andor. Yes. <laughs> I don't think his on-screen presence is all that great. You don't like Diego Luna? No, I I like him. I remember seeing him in a what's it called Rogue One, right? Yes, he's he's one of the characters. He was called Rogue One, but in this, I don't know if it's like just a hide or something. I don't mean to be offensive, but. His on-screen presence just isn't there. Yeah, he's not intimidating. He's not, like, charismatic. He's not really those things. He's really just a scavenger, smuggler, whatever you want to call him, who's kind of just, like, he's not above doing shady stuff to survive. He's out, He doesn't feel like someone we're supposed to root for right now. I don't get... Yeah, he's he's not... He doesn't have a commanding presence. I think everybody else kind of overshadows him, really. But yep. he serves for me. He's he's the vehicle or the lens for which the story is told through. He's not here to lead the story as much as serving as the uh, vehicle for the story. I think, even though it is called Andor. 
I don't know. That's my that's my impressions because I feel like most of the other characters way more interesting until recently. By episode seven, Andor becomes way more of an interesting character himself. I think as of right now, he's starting to become more interesting. So there's no like moral dilemma going on with him. Well, he is going to come up. I don't want to spoil it, but he does start to he comes to grips with his convictions of where he stands in terms of like, is it enough to just survive? Or is it in? Or is it more important to like risk your life for something bigger than yourself? And he does. It's it's not a it's a trope we've seen before. It's not like a new thing, right? I think Luke Skywalker goes something similar when it's like, do you want to like? I mean, that's avenge. Cool. Do you want to fight against the Empire or do you just want to get off of Tatooine? Right. Those. So I I want to stay out of trouble versus I gotta make this thing that is so beyond me work exactly that sounds fucking epic like yes. you think he could pull that off it's kind of like well they talk about in episode five and six they really you get you get introduced to like character i don't want to go spoilers but you get introduced to characters who force andor to confront his own self in terms of like what are you is like what are you really about who so, are you really so is the andor i'm looking at, at on episode one the same as where you're at right now no not really i would say not really no Okay. Kind of, but he kind of like his personality and his demeanor do change by episode seven. I I think personally, but uh, yeah, Andor, House of the Dragon, those are the two. I finished She Hulk. I thought She Hulk was okay. It was just okay. I heard not the last terrible. Episode was trash. I love the last episode because really? it's so it, it's so weird, John. It's it so sounds so lazy. No, that's well okay. Come on, it like, does okay okay i'll tell you this it does the thing where it tries to dismiss lazy writing by preemptively confronting lazy writing where it's that's like bullshit. it kind of works i think it the way they do it because it looks like it's going to be a lazy solution it is lazy and then she the way to marvel and she writes her shit because like, the original I, story was just going to be so like traditional and so plain so so Why don't they make like, a better story from the beginning and not have to go because She Hulk is meta. Even in the comics, she is super meta. It gets too meta. At it's the not the first time like she's ever confronted the creator of the story. But she's done that in comics. But too. that's way too like. Uh, she's kind of like Deadpoolish, sort of. It's like time travel. Like it's not time like travel, most. Though. I know, but it's like most time travel stories are like. Why the fuck didn't you do this at the beginning type of deal? Right? Oh, right. Why didn't you just do that at the beginning? Well, because there was no issues with the story in the beginning. It wasn't until the last episode where she's like, wait a minute. Like, we're doing this kind of thing. Like, this feels so, like, boring because we've been there before with, like, like here's the villain, the guy who has the same powers as a hero. Like, we've done that, like, 20 times at this point. So, I don't know. I thought it was hilarious. I was laughing so hard as I was happening and just in disbelief that, like, like, like without spoilers, she does a thing. I'm sorry, with spoilers. She's like, she's like, what about the X Men? And she like winks at the like the audience, like, like, like I'm trying to get the information too. Like, when the X Men are like, have you seen that part or no? Have you seen that? Not that part. It's funny because she's like supposedly like she confronts like the creator of the Marvel universe, right? And he's like, and, he's like, yeah. and she's like, where's the X Men? She looks at the camera like, like I got you, like, <laughs> like, and he's like, he's like, we're not there yet, like, like we're not gonna talk about that right now. Like, it's just funny because they're so aware of what the MCU fan is, mm-hmm. and they're kind of playing with that. So I thought that was hilarious. Overall, the show is just okay, though. I think it's just okay. I liked it, but I think there's worse Marvel shows. There's also way better Marvel shows. So I've heard this is the worst, and it's got the least viewership as well. What? No, I like this more than What If, and I like this more than uh, Moon Knight. All of What If? 
Yeah. I, I, what if as a whole not like this more than Moon Knight? Yes. That's interesting. I didn't like the finale for Moon Knight. It does a giant kaiju thing that's kind of just dumb, I think. But it was action. It's still Moon Knight has a strong beginning. Like the first half of that show is amazing, and then the second half is like, what did? Why did you squander this? Whereas She Hulk is just average throughout. So I don't get disappointed, and I don't get that elated either. It's just I mean, average Hawk, throughout. Hawkeye wasn't all that great. Hawkeye again, great beginning. Actually, no. Hawkeye had the opposite. It was okay in the beginning, and then got better. I'm just saying that She Hulk overall was just like a six or seven throughout the whole show. Moon Knight, strong 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, drops off. And those are pretty much all I've been watching. Uh, unless you count Gundam. I'm always watching. I'm always catching up on Gundam stuff. So, All right. So there was, are you done with the, yours? Your yes. Shows? Yes. My jaw's tired. Yes. Okay. So there was Andor. We spoke about that. Uh, Day Shift. That was with uh, Jamie Foxx. It's on Netflix. It's where he's fighting vampires. It's, it doesn't have crazy writing. Is that a show or movie? It's a movie. Okay. Uh, it's just fun, dude. It's just who else is in it besides him? Uh, Megan Good. Oh, I like Megan Good. It's worth it just for that. I like her. I like her a lot. And um, uh, she's in the second Anchorman movie. She's awesome in that. Yeah. So Megan Good is in it. She looks great. Jamie Foxx does. Always always, has. always. I had a high school teacher who looked just like Megan Good. Bullshit. No, I'm serious. She was like all that, all like, all like, all like the uh, males in my class. Like, like you look just like Megan Good, and like she did, she did. She Megan Good's prettier, but like she looks like she could be Megan Good's sister. Like she's like up right. there. Okay. And she was very attractive. She was very. I, I, I had a mini crush on her a little bit, but yeah, she was my she was my English teacher for my s- junior year only. And then she left to a different school. But uh, anyways, sidebar. Megan Good. No, yeah. yeah. So uh, day shift. I mean, if you have really nothing to watch on, um, oh, there's on always something to watch on. There's always there is, but if you don't, this is like oh. easy. Turn it on, just watch oh. the first ten minutes, and you're you're gonna have fun. All three Rush Hour movies are on Netflix now, so if you have never seen at least the first two Rush Hours, watch them. They are a product of their time, but they are hilarious. They are awesome. Have you seen Rush Hours one through three, Johnny? Yeah, so good, so good. Chris Tucker, under underrated comedian, underrated. Uh, yeah okay next show. what else you tell me okay um <laughs> uh love death and robots i've been watching this thing for months dude you always tell me to watch this and i always feel bad that i never do i did watch blade runner eventually i did see blade runner though just so you know blade, oh the uh because you kept telling me to watch the, yeah 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 so love death and robot it took me a couple months the reason is because it's it might be my favorite show on netflix and i don't want to just end it right really more than the ozarks oh for sure I thought you loved Ozarks. I like Ozarks, but the ending was a little disappointing. Okay. So I had to drop a few points. <laughs> uh, this, it's hard to like say, hey, it's a it's a 9 or a 10 or whatever. It, you know how you rate something and it's it's got a number, but then there's this, it's just got the stamp of like, I love this thing. Yeah. It changes things up. It's like, like not all 9s are created equal kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, sort of like that. Like, I'll rate something a 9, and I'll rate something else a 9, but, like, I clearly like one more than the other. Exactly. Yeah. So, that's what the Love, Death, and Robot is for me. Um, I had one more episode to go, and I postponed it for, I don't know, three months or something. Uh, I think it's funny how you kind of just, like, edge, you're, like, edging yourself out to, like, I don't want to finish this. I want this to last forever, so I'm just going to not finish it. Yeah. That's funny. It's uh, sort of the same thing with... um, 
with uh, Stranger Things. Okay. Because the last season really, really surprised Running me. Running up that hill. Uh, I have one more episode. It's like, I think it's two hours though. It's like uh, Stranger Things? Episode. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Uh, it's not a typical episode. It's it's a chunky ass episode. I dropped off with season two. Maybe I should get back on. And then uh, I started watching uh, Edge Runner from Cyberpunk. Ooh, I want to watch it and I just... I didn't know it was uh, 10 anime. episodes. Oh, I prefer when it's just like one shot. Sometimes depends on the project. No, yeah, yeah, it's it's a mini series, yeah. Yeah, so uh, maybe I'm 20, 25 minutes in. Okay. Uh the animation isn't exactly where I want it to be. Uh I'm I'm probably going to watch like 3 seasons and then decide there if I'm going to continue to watch it. 3 seasons. I mean 3 episodes. Oh, I'm like, "What?" <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, if it takes you three seasons to no, figure no. out if you like anything that's no the the animation uh you've told me you've seen things like that where it takes three seasons three seasons to get good yeah there's some no. shows like that i uh, think breaking bad i know the first yeah okay. it's probably breaking bad breaking bad and the office both have terrible first seasons yeah. and then the second seasons completely make up for it yeah so uh i just started watching jeffrey Dahmer. i'm like 10 minutes in oh my mom started watching them my mom started watching that too yeah we i had to get ready for the pod but uh i'm not really into like the bio stuff of like serial killers i watched one on netflix when i lived with my mom about two years ago it was uh the nightcrawler one you know that one nightcrawler yeah i haven't seen it but uh what's his name is a great actor are you thinking of Ryan Gosling? And that... Not Gosling. That's not Gosling. Who's the Nightcrawler? It's um. He did Source Code. Source Code is amazing, dude. Source Code. I don't know. You know what Source Code? Is. Wait, are you talking about Jake Gyllenhaal? Yes. He's not a Nightcrawler. I'm pretty sure. It's you're th- oh no no you're thinking of the action you're thinking of a separate movie. I'm talking about the the Nightcrawler guy from the '90s who was like a serial killer in the '90s. Oh, but I think uh, what's yeah he played yeah on? no. In Nightcrawler, the film. no, it's a Hispanic dude, and no, they don't. No, it's a documentary. They don't use like there's no like reenacted stuff. It's all like just foot out footage. Maybe Nightcrawler wasn't connected to a real life Nightcrawler, that which I, I'm just hearing about. I know what you're talking about. That's a separate story. That's a separate like movie. Because when I'm talking about Nightcrawler, it's the actor we were just discussing. Where he's like taking pictures and stuff. Yeah, right? and then he starts creating his own. Yeah, yeah, crime yeah. Scenes. That's a that's a separate thing. That's a. Uh... That's a separate thing. I know what you're talking about. That's no, that's not connected. To and that's right. I'm pretty sure that's Ryan Gosling too, isn't it? I don't think so. Okay, it's the other name you said. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I started watching that. Um, yeah. What's next? Uh, that's it. That's all we got. Okay. All right. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch Cyberpunk, but I just get I don't know. I just get lazy when like I can play something instead. So. Or read something instead, for that matter. Or watch Gundam, for that matter. So I just. I get lazy. I I have to I have to go take care of my gramps sometime this week, so I'm probably just gonna binge watch Cyberpunk uh, Edge Runners that day. That I have to do that, so I'll let you know what I think about it. Hopefully, you get past the first episode. You need to, you need to at least let things marinate, like whether it's Call of Duty or anything. Like you need to get like I feel like an initial impression isn't enough. You need to make sure you're like three episodes, three hours in, and you're like, okay, like for sure this isn't for me. Just to be sure. With Andor especially. I think you need to give Andor another chance. Oh, I'm going to watch the second episode. All right, Johnny. And I think that's a wrap for us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have managed to make it this far, we 
obviously thank you so much for your listenership uh it does not go uh uh unnoticed nor under underappreciated so we appreciate that if you have any thoughts comments suggestions questions about any of the stuff we talked about or even stuff that we haven't talked about you know to reach us at duosense po- oh, i'm sorry duosense podcast at yahoo.com again that is duosense podcast at yahoo.com you can also reach us at duosense p on twitter although i haven't checked up on that as much as i should have so if you want to make sure you're listened to then reach us at our email uh again duosense podcast yahoo.com Johnny, do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap it up tonight? No. Good. Good. Because I need to, I really have to go now because it's really late and I do make dinner and do laundry and all sorts of stuff. So good night, everybody. We'll catch you for sure next week because now we can do this consistently. And goodbye. Peace.